Coming up this week, off-screen. The war begins for the Planet of the Apes. Cars goes for a third lap. Colin Farrell gets beguiling. David Lynch enjoys the art life. Are we witness the death of Louis XIV? All those come more, off-screen. This is... This is off-screen. Off-screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen. I'm Van Connor. I am Case Allen. Welcome back, Mr. Allen. It's been a fun week as ever. Fantastic, yeah, as it were. I have seen films today, which is good. I, I know you I saw two. Off. I saw two. I saw a film we're going to be talking about in mere moments, you and did. then uh, it comes at night, which you saw last week, which is not in the top five. So we're not going to get to talk about it then. So you might as well tell tell me now. Then what do you think of it? Comes at night. Well, it's pretty good, isn't it? It's pretty good, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I think it's better if you don't know too much about it and you don't have a preconceived notion about what it's going to be because it's enough. not going to be that. Okay. But so, I really liked it. Are you telling people not to listen back to our review then? Because that kind of flies in the face of what we do, really. I mean, I'm not one for, like, self-promotion. <laughs> or mutual promotion, I guess. Yeah. So, okay, we've got news to come. We've got reviews to come. We've got a box office top five to come. We've got loads of competitions to come. We've got five competitions oh, on the go. Um, loads. Loads. But we need to start with something something light, something frothy. Give us some news, Mr. Allen. What's, what's the biggie this week? I don't know if this is biggie, but it's biggie for us. Because we are big fans of John Oliver. We are. And indeed. his show last week tonight with John Oliver on HBO, which is just that's required watching in my house. It is sadly it wasn't on this weekend. He's taken a couple of weeks off. He has. And do you know the day he comes back is my birthday. Oh, what a present! So, well, and Rick and Morty comes back on my birthday. So yeah, I know. And I, I will be in Essex, unfortunately, and I'll be watching the Emoji Movie. So uh, <laughs> swings and roundabouts. <laughs> swings and roundabouts. Yeah. Um, yeah, John Oliver has been announced to be playing uh, Zazu in the uh, live-action adaptation of The Lion King. That's, that's amazing casting, because that was Rowan Atkinson before. In the original one, the 1994 yeah, one. Yeah, um, which obviously is great, and it's it's very difficult to recast those parts, because they're so like intrinsically linked. It's when they announced that James like, Earl Jones was going to be Mufasa that you yeah. thought, well, yes, that makes sense, yeah. because who else could, could do that? Exactly, and I, I kind of have the same thought about uh, Timon and Pumbaa as well. Yeah, well, I had the same problem with Scar. I can't figure out for the life of me who should play I've, Scar. I've got a few ideas. I, I generally think we're going to go with someone like Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Nah, fair enough. Yeah. I'll go with that. I think Because just... he's, he's in-house at Disney. Just for giggles. Get Tom Hardy, man. That'll be fun. Yeah. I saw a BT advert with Tom Hardy today, and he, oh. get, he, he goes a bit Bane. This one, this one where he rubs the sugar. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just for no reason. And he's like, but if there was another way. <laughs> you know what mortifies me about that advert more than anything? What? I own that cardigan. Do you actually? I do. It's a it's a BHS cardigan. Who wore it better? Oh, he wore it better, totally. Yeah. Totally. I mean, he, he, everything. He, he could wear a plastic bag. He could literally peel the flesh from my bones and wear that better. He's Tom Hardy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's why he's Tom Hardy. He wears everything better. And like, and then everyone would be like, oh, he's so adorable. Look at him wearing uh, another human skin. Just, they would. Yeah. They would absolutely they say would. that. So let's go from human skin to animal skin then and talk about War for the Planet of the Apes, which is yes. pretty much the, I'd say the, the big release this week, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say so. Though. It is. Definitely, yeah. Uh, this, this, is your, this is your bus poster film. That's what that is. That's how you know when the, when mm. the big is. Yes. So uh, obviously this is the third of the rebooted Apes trilogy, the sort of reboot call prequel spin-off-y kind of series that we have now and so we started with rice we went to dawn and now we're, we're at the war yeah. stage a lot of people always get really annoyed that it's not dawn then rice yeah i'm okay with it yeah there's, there's a bit in the start of the film that kind of explains that so 
they, yeah. they actually give Ill you a, written, a written prologue, a yeah. written history so far, and every time they refer to one of the titles of the film, it's, it's in the big apes font. Yeah. I love that. So I clever. love that. Yeah. But, okay, so the idea is this is now two years on from the cliffhanger, the cliffhanger ending of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, in which it's revealed the apes weren't all wiped out five minutes after the film finished, like we all just assumed they were going to be. In fact, they've been hunted ever since, because that's so much more cheerful. And <laughs> Oh, well, this film is a laugh, right? Oh, this is, this is the feel-good film of the year, this yeah. one. <laughs> right. So what we've got now is the remains of the human army, so we're told, led by Colonel McCullough, who's played by Woody Harrelson. And he is a vengeful, wipe-out-all-the-apes, pro-humanist hardliner who's on a mission to seek out the ape base, destroy it, and, and have done with it. He eventually finds... Well, not eventually. After two years, he's found the location. And tragedy befalls, and this leads the uh, the ape... Uh, what do you say? Leader emperor? The leader of the, the apes. The leader. They, they call him the leader. They call him the leader. Yeah. Caesar played by Andy Serkis, still. And I'm sorry, but we're not going to talk about Andy Serkis's performance anymore. It's it's done. It's academic now. We can we can leave it now. Yeah, people it's, people know it's brilliant. You know he's brilliant. Yeah. If if your grand knows who Andy Serkis yeah. is, and she probably does, because right. he's everywhere for most of his films. Should we fine. just make a deal, you and I? Yeah. Right? Any film that has a motion capture performance by Andy Serkis, right, we, we're just going to take it as writ that it's amazing. We will only discuss it if it's the first bad one. Right, I'll go with ideal. That's, yeah. that's fine for me. So, Circus is amazing. Let's continue with the plot. So, yeah. tragedy befalls, and Caesar sets out on a mission to seek out and murder his human counterpart, the evil Colonel McCullough, not realising that his actions are going to set in motion a sequence of events that will forever change the face of the planet Earth, and particularly who inhabits it. And here's a clip of those two meeting for the first time. Have you finally come to save your apes? I came for you. For me? Circus there, who we can't talk about his acting quality anymore. It, it's just gotten dull now. We know he's brilliant. We know he's amazing. We, we're going to call it Cumberbatching yeah. it. If you've seen and, him on like any talk show this week, exactly. you know he's great. You know he's great. And Woody Harrelson, who, also very good. Uh, right, so, Wolf of the Party Apes, you've seen it now. What did you think of it? Uh, I really, really, really enjoyed it, and I think it's my favourite of the three. Really? Yeah, I think it's... Okay. Uh, wraps things up in a nice way, but it does also tie the story off. It, it ties it? the story off, but like it leaves you thinking about what could potentially happen if they were to carry on. I maybe. feel like there could there, there is more story to tell. I think they could mine more story. Bear in mind, of course, historically they did end the Planet of the Apes series with the second movie in the in the late sixties. Yes, and then. 
you know, just came up with the greatest pulling the rug out from under you reboot <laughs> idea ever for the third one, which was, I think, Escape from the Planet. I think so, yeah. I think it was Escape, where they just brought time travel into it. Uh, right, okay, so on that note, actually, since we're talking about it, let's talk about the really clever way. This film is actually designed with this undercurrent, where it does actually tie up the loose ends of the mythology, and it does give you a sort of, oh, how did you get from there to there kind of idea with this with this series. You do kind of get the explanation. You can leave this film, never see another one of these movies, should they make them, and you know how we get from this to Planet of the Apes. Y- yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty seamless, really. It's pretty seamless. It's all there for you. I mean, but it's done so well. It's do- in a day and age of, of cinematic universe setup becoming the norm, it is amazing how confidently and how, almost without acknowledgement, this does it. I mean, it even they introduced two characters from established mythology with no dwelling on them whatsoever, which is fantastic. Mm. And then meanwhile, you've got great performances in there. Steve Zahn, as you and I have both said. My boy Steve Zahn. Your boy. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Steve Zahn. Well, Steve Zahn uh, continues your theory, doesn't it? That uh, Doesn't he? That uh, eventually all three cast members of the movie Sahara will win an Oscar. Yeah, we're just biding our time until that day happens. Well, based on his performance in this film, I actually can see it. So, yeah, But then again, if we can't get Andy Serkis an Oscar, then we'll <laughs> it's cash true, in. It's can true. you imagine if Steve Zahn just comes know, in and robs Cheeky bugger. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, he's the new, obviously he's the new ape in the mix. He is bad ape. That's his name. Bad ape, yeah. We, and it literally called that because everyone says bad ape to him. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's explained why that's his name. It, it's yeah. literally it's the ape's equivalent of S. Baldrick. You know, I, yeah. I love it. I, I absolutely love it. And he is the breakout character. And he's someone you immediately fall in love with and someone you want to see a lot more of. Um, I think it's great. I think it cements Matt Reeves once and for all as this is a new voice. This is a genuine auteur here. Yeah, for Temple Blockbusters. Yes. It, yeah. I mean, the fact that this guy's next work is Batman... You I'm, sit there I'm and be, really excited. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, if anyone's going to make that work, I have confidence in this guy. Now, he's co-written this with Mark Bombach. Now, Mark Bombach wrote, uh, co-wrote Dawn of the Planet of the Apes as well. Before that, nothing but awful films. Give me some of the awful films. I forget them all offhand. Please do, please do Let's pull him up on IMDb. Let's have a look. Whilst I'm now, Mark Bombach would be able to credit this as being the sharpest work he's ever written. However, he did write Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. And so, you know, I actually do think Dawn is a sharper film than this. I think it delves more this, into emotion. Yeah, this is more straightforward. It is revenge. This is. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is the thing as well, because it's not really a war movie. It's a war movie in the way that Captain America Civil War is a war movie. And you can't quite get away with calling it Captain America Civil Airport Skirmish. No. So at the same point, you can't really call this skirmish. There's, there's elements of a war film. Yeah. So there's, there's a couple of very key scenes that are... Yeah, there's a lot on it. And, and it's very heart-wrenching. It's very emotional. It is superbly staged. Michael Giacchino proves himself yet again to be to 21st cinema what John Williams was to the 20th. Got some news about John Williams later. But anyway, that's not how you pronounce his name. Is it not? No. That's how the guys at Disney pronounced his name. Giacchino. Giacchino. That's mm. how they... Uh... That's it. Not, not Giacchino. You're not ordering anything from No, not, not Giacchino. Giacchino. That's Giacchino. how the... Guys behind Inside Out when we did the press thing. That's on how they his, pronounce on his uh, Twitter page. Yeah, has he, he, has he said it? His like little bio says pronounce J Key No. I've had conversations with him through Twitter. Never mind. Um, <laughs> you lied to me, Jackie. <laughs> had a conversation with him about the soundtrack to La Luna. Anyway. um... <laughs> Which I still want. Anyway, uh, right, so he's fantastic. It's so well staged. It's so well put together. It is the smartest movie, the smartest blockbuster we're going to get this summer, easily. And all that from the writer of the remake of uh, Total Recall. Thank you. That was it. Yes, yes, the writer of the remake of Total Recall. But he's been himself. This is great. This is great. 
I think it's better than Rise. I don't think it's as good as Dawn. Mm. I think it ends the series not on its best note, but on its most elegant, and with something genuine and profound to say. I'm happy with it. I loved it. I trust you loved it as well. Ten thumbs up. Ten thumbs up. In which case, we cue the music. With the latest film news and reviews. I am. This is Offscreen. The on-screen radio show. And we're back. So before we uh, review uh, David Lynch, should we mm. should we just plug our competitions real quick? Why not? Because we've got enough to plug. We've got a lot. I mean, you've got you've literally got a list. We go on onscreenfilm.com, Go in the competition section. There's swag to be won, and there's a fair amount of swag. Please enter and win this stuff because we haven't got room on our shelves for it. Uh, I mean, I know you, you probably love the chance to try and fit it all in, but... I've uh, not even got a shelf. Not even got a shelf, it's true. No, I used um, to dream of a shelf. <laughs> I used to dream of a shelf. <laughs> now I have a cupboard. <laughs> but, uh, right, so, yeah, go on onscreenfilm.com, go in the competition section, and what can you win, Mr. Allen? You could win tickets to the pop-up screen events that happen in Londinium. That, that's right, this summer, loads of great movies there, La La Land. Uh, Dirty Dancing. Uh, Dirty Dancing, Ghostbusters, yeah. Moonlight, things like that. Loads of good stuff. Loads, loads of good Deadpool, good Deadpool is one of them. Really? I mean, yeah, wouldn't you love to sit on a green, get drunk and watch Deadpool? That'd be cool. I mean, I, I sit on my garden and get drunk and watch Deadpool a lot, I'll admit. And, but... and cry alone. Yeah, and yeah. my neighbours think I'm nuts, but you know, aside from that... Uh, <laughs> it's all good. We've also got, we've got loads of DVDs as well. Yeah, um, um, uh, Neruda, the Pablo Neruda. Oh, Pablo Lorraine's, uh, is it uh, Gael Garcia Bernal? That's who stars in it. Of course it is. Yes. Really, really loved that movie. Really something. Very wacky, very off-kilter. Uh, what else have we got? Hidden pa- hidden Figures? I almost said Hidden Passion there. Hidden Figures. Yeah, that's out now, yeah. We're Which giving is, that away. You that were was, a fan? I was a fan. You were I a, fan? Was a fan? I wasn't a fan of the end credits, but yeah. <laughs> that's fair enough. I'll, yeah, I'll go into it another time. Uh, we've got uh, A Quiet Passion, the Emily Dickinson uh, movie with Cynthia Nixon. We've got that to give away. Uh, and of course, uh, what film I really liked, the Korean spy thriller The Age of Shadows, which is based on historical events, which is uh, really something and must be seen. Go on onscreenfilm.com, go in the competition section, win this stuff. Because honestly, we we, we just we haven't got room in our, our homes and offices to, to store all this stuff. Please win it and take it off our hands. Not the tickets, they're very small. We could fit those in a drawer. But uh, oh, We should have said they're actually massive, like giants, like Giant, like those big checks. Novelty check size, yeah. yeah. You get, like, the price is right. Oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in touch with the PR guy. His name's Kia. I'm going to ask him if he'll give us some giant <laughs> novelty checks. But uh, to terms and conditions, actual ticket size may vary. Um, in the meanwhile, podcast edition, uh, go on iTunes, uh, Deezer, is Deezer? Is Deezer now? Tune in. Uh, get the extended podcast edition. Uh, this week is mostly film news out there because we've got so few films to review. But if you go on Acast you do get a wonderful digital bling. And that's really something. You get the trailers, you get the artwork, you get all the all You the get all the stuff. You get all the stuff, yeah. man. All the MacGuffins. Do you know if you pull what it up on your... Marvel? Uh, I know. <laughs> if you pull it up on, your, on the desktop, you go on the Acast website on your desktop computer, it yeah. shows you in a, in a line all the artwork, and you can skip to the relevant review oh. by clicking the just, poster. Just choose the picture that you like. Yeah, choose the picture you like, and it skips to that bit of the show. So, yeah. there we go. Right, so, David Lynch, The Art Life. Yeah, he's mad. He's mad, isn't he? Yeah. Mad as a bag of hammers. <laughs> Mad as a bag of lynches. <laughs> bag of lynches, yeah. yeah. Right, so this is the story all about how um, his life got turned right upside down. Um, <laughs> it is the story of David Lynch's life. Uh, documentary, he talks directly to camera through it. There's a lot of archival footage, old Super 8 film, etc. And it is basically, he narrates his life as it relates to the art and the artwork he has been involved in in creating over time. It doesn't go up to now. It doesn't even go up to... It doesn't really go any further than Eraserhead. It pretty much goes from birth to Eraserhead, which is the early 70s, I want to say. 
Yeah, I I, yeah, more of his well-known films come after Raise Edwards. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Okay. So Raise Edwards was his first biggie, and we get a lot. But you actually get an expert, some, some of the background on the actual making of Raise Edwards, well, which is quite fascinating. I'll tell you what, here's a clip that's going to set the tone for exactly what you're in for with this 19-minute uh, look into the psyche of the man who made Twin Peaks. And the day I started school, there was a huge hurricane. And the rain was coming down. You couldn't hardly see the school. It was like dark almost. It was so thick, this storm. There were two other guys starting school. And those two guys became my friends. But they were not the friends they should have had. Sounds about right. Yeah, you wouldn't get stuck in a lift with him, would no. you? Have you watched any of the new uh, series of Twin Peaks? No, I've not seen a single episode. Uh, neither have I, but apparently there was an episode where there is no like structural narrative at all. It mm. is just loads of like just random shots of like empty landscapes and some guy's garden. I completely believe that. That for an hour. I completely believe it. Yeah. And it'll get heralded as a masterpiece. I'm sure it'll win all the Emmys. Yeah. It really will. Because it's, it's David Lynch. And I, I have a, I have a love hate relationship with David Lynch, which is I can love him and I can hate him. And it's 50 50 as to which one you're going to get at any given time. Yeah. This for me falls, I'll be honest, this kind of fell under the hate banner. Um, it's, unless you're genuinely fascinated by the man, not his work or his influence, just the man. This is not really something that's going to do an awful lot for you. There's a lot, a lot in here that you just think, why did I need to know any of this? And uh, Maybe it's nice to like have a bit of uh, kind of context about why he is so mad. And that's the thing, it didn't, really, it didn't really give me that so context. Mad. It didn't give me much of an insight. It's pretty much an A to B story. I, I grew up, I uh, decided one day that I found great beauty in the artistic chiseling of wooden statues of squirrels. <laughs> And, and then at one point he says uh, he had to go out and get a job. He says, and I was really annoyed because I was uh, I was sawing some wood on my dining table, and it really upset me because I very much enjoyed sawing that wood. And you think, you know what? If anyone else said this, you would think they were barking mad. But we're willing to accept it because it's was David that a Lynch. really bad joke then. No, no, barking that. Mad. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I missed it. See, there's yeah. But you see, you think you know what? If Ed O'Neill said this, you'd think he was mad. You know, if, if, uh, if why was that the person you know. were you watching Modern Family? No, I wasn't. If Beverly D'Angelo came out with this, she'd be like, "What's wrong with you?" But why have you not seen anything past the eighties? I, I don't know. I was literally going to say Kathleen Turner as well. Then and she really doesn't help your argument, does it? No, it, does. it really doesn't. <laughs> oh, uh, but, Chan- Chandler's mum, Chandler's Chandler's, Chandler's dad. Oh, co- Chandler's dad, not Chandler's. Come on, mom. Case. Yeah. Oh. One of us went to Friends Fest last week. You can show it wasn't me. Yeah, thank you for my bar of mocklets. Yes, did you enjoy the mockery? I did. Oh, good. Uh, But this is the thing, though. Um, I'd say if you are a diehard David Lynch fan and you are as eager to know about the man as you are his work, go and see this. If, however, you're like me and you've always sat on the fence with his work, this is not going to offer you much. And, well, it's it's a David Lynch film. It's a David Lynch biography. How do you think this is going to play? Give me some news. Cheer me up. You seem really downtrodden about that. I am. I really wanted to love it. Okay. This could be all right. Okay. Ryan Gosling might be Willy Wonka. Uh, is this because we talked about Mocklet a minute ago, is it? I guess that's a quite a tenuous link. Yeah, okay. let's go with that. It was all planned. <laughs> I didn't this, just see it. Is this from the, the Harry Potter Paddington guy? 
<laughs> yeah, uh, David uh, Heyman. Heyman, yes, thank you. Yeah. Yes, David Heyman. David, hey man. <laughs> yeah, that works. Yeah, that guy. I can, I can see that. So this is going to be a prequel to the Gene Wilder Willy Wonka. It's going to be about how he enslaved the Willy, the Umpalumpas. How he not enslaved, but broke them out. Look, unless they've got a union, they're slaves. That's all I'm saying. Look, that's, they wore matching... word when you... Liberate? Liberate, thank you. Okay, look, they wear matching uniforms. We've not had coffee during they, this show. We haven't. No, yeah. we're going to have to have one at the right. Look, they wear matching uniforms. Yeah. Okay. And they work without salary. They're slaves, okay? If that's- this is actually the film, I'm way more excited. So they go with them <laughs> on the promise that they're going to be liberated. And he's actually And then he's them. like... Here are your costumes. Not costumes, here are uniforms. Here are your uniforms. Oh, you will wear ma- matching dungarees. Mind me, me some chocolate. Yeah, from my, mind the chocolate, wear the matching dungarees. That's how it works. By the way, you will also drive my boats, steam my carpets. And... Maybe you can drive my boat. There we are. Cool. Right. Yeah, no, I'd watch that. <laughs> okay, so uh, next film then, The Death of Louis XIV. Um, right. I'm glad we've gotten these two out of the way quite quickly, actually. So this stars uh, Jean-Pierre Liard as, as Louis XIV. And it literally begins with a, a Shots. I've not got a clip for it because it's all in French. Um, it begins with Louis XIV in his older years being wheelchaired around his vast palatial gardens. Um, we discover very quickly that he is regarded as the greatest king France has ever had, um, but that he uh, one day he went for a walk. He had an, he you know he, he had a pain and it was discovered to be gangrene. And oh. over the course of these 90 minutes... Was it 90 minutes? Sorry, it was done. No, it was an hour 55. Sorry. Thinking of David Lynch. Over the course of an hour and 55 minutes, we literally witness the slow and agonising death of Louis XIV by gangrene. As he literally sits in his, in his bedchamber, literally lays in his bedchamber, has visitors and tries to put his affairs in order. It's surprisingly not a very talky piece. A lot of it is dialogue-free. It is a chamber piece in the literal sense, the literal and figurative sense. It is a, it's in a chamber. It's in a chamber. It's a chamber piece in an actual chamber. And, wow, I mean, the performance by uh, Jean-Pierre Liard is... is intriguing he's he's really leaning into the the elements he's gotten from his director here and this is directed incidentally by what's it now oh man albert sarah that was real sorry um right so this is written directed by albert sarah who brought us uh birdsong if you remember that i remember right um it looks lovely it's gorgeous looking it's like nothing you've ever seen before but i want to stress that that doesn't necessarily make it make it any good it is unique. It is very, very much something. It is this man slowly dying before us. However, it it does feel like you're taking your death rattle with him. And um, yeah, I, this is this is not the kind of thing you're going to go and see on date night. Or, or if you will, there's something off with you. But yeah, I can't imagine uh, that being. That fun of a date night. No, not not really at all. But okay, so look, we've gotten the two dull ones out of the way. We'll we'll we'll, we'll go away. We'll cut to the jump. We'll come back. And we'll do some fun stuff. Right? Sounds good. That sounds like a plan. With the latest film news and reviews, this is off screen. The on screen radio show. 
and we're back, Mr. Allen. So, um, should we uh, should we crack on with the top ten for this week then? Because you've you've seen a few of these now. I have. I've so, been making uh, good use of my uh, your cinema downtime, pass, yeah. multi pass. You've got, was it, you got what? Lilu Dahl's multi pass. Is that what it is? Multi pass. Actually, Valerian's yes. in a couple of weeks. It is. It is. And I'll be using my multi pass for that. Excellent. But yeah, let's do the top five. On that note, we cue the music. Number five. She's hanging in there. She her. really is, isn't Old she? Diana. I hope she gets a good run this summer. I really do. Yeah, I, th- um, I think I think it's definitely going to stick around. Well, how long has she been? No, it's been five, five weeks. Five weeks, and she's only at number five. It's made loads of money. It has made. Did you see that the Deadpool people have uh, have congratulated uh, <laughs> the Deadpool people? The Deadpool people have uh, congratulated Wonder Woman on it. Uh, no, I've, I've not. How did they do they that? They put out an image of Deadpool wearing a gold necklace made of the Wonder Woman logo. That's with, great. Doing the hand symbol with his heart with his hands oh. around it, and I believe the comment was uh, the Merc may be filthier, but the Wonder Woman has better bo. <laughs> Which I thought Excellent. was brilliant. Better box office all around. Sold. I loved Wonder Woman. I think Gal Gadot is uh, really something in it. Yeah. Uh, apparently, there's news this week. Apparently, we are going to get a sequel set in the 80s in the Cold War. Cold War. Apparently, is a thing. I am down for that. I'm down for that. Uh, as long as I just want to be in. I want her to be in like every great war. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the beginning of that Wolverine movie that time, if you remember. But uh, well, this is slightly better than that Wolverine. Yeah, yeah, well, than that Wolverine certainly. But yes, yeah. <laughs> I think she's great. I think my favorite element of the film actually is Saeed Tag Maui. As, yeah, as Sammy. Really like him, I really like him in this. I think he's yeah. there's something about him. I just find him so just endearing in this film. I think my favorite is uh, Princess Buttercup being a badass, kick-ass general. You know what? Absolutely. Bring on that Princess Bride sequel, please. Number four. I don't like this as much. Do you know, I don't either. I don't like this no. It's <sighs> better than the fourth one. But that's not saying a lot. <laughs> Transformers Age of Extinction brilliantly got summed up by John Mosby as you can't spell extinction without stink. <laughs> and I, I've always got to give him credit for that. <clears throat> he was the master of a thousand puns, and that, I think, was one of his best. Yeah, um, Transformers The Last Night is the same old rubbish, different day. Um, with Anthony Hopkins. With, with A-Hop doing his dude routine. Yeah. No, don't you? Dude. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday about this, and we are talking about his weird robo-butler. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, she, she said, well, she, she brought something up I'd not really thought about. What? Is he a reformed Decepticon? I don't know. Because he's kind of got this like do, weird instinct to just always kill. Yeah, but do you not think the fact that they don't bring that up tells you how poorly written this film is? Yeah, I did. I did say that. That was my counter argument. I said you saying that is way more thought than ever been put into it. Yeah, I mean, let, let's be honest. That this, this movie does hinge around you know, a, you know, I'm Katie Agram, an inventor. <laughs> Which no, no, yeah. no. Wait, he ain't getting no student loans to pay back. Yeah, he ain't got no student loans. Now, please loans. let me mansplain Arthur C. Clarke to you. <laughs> <laughs> and then Optimus Prime shows up to you know refer to people by name who he's never met before. Oh, Viv. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's all on you now, Vivian. How do you know her name? You just look like a Vivian to me. And yeah, exactly <laughs> that. A Vivian, of course, being an Oxford history professor who you know subscribes to the Michael Bay ideals of what an Oxford history professor would look like, which is say a sexified, you know, hipster specked pencil skirt sporting nymph who talks about the uh, sexuality of. To, uh... to be fair to that character, though, for most of the film, she's got sort of like a I don't need a man sort of an outlook. Well, I re- I really enjoyed and the then part, it, and then it kind of. 
I really enjoyed the part where they started getting uh, uh, Rebecca Front from the thick of it to explain what a BBW was and tell that she should explore sapphic love. That but, was uh, one of the points where I wanted to leave. Yeah, there, yeah. there were three points I wanted to walk out. Yeah, I think that kind of sums up that film. Your name's Baby, B A B Y Baby. Number three. Every 21-year-old's favourite film this year. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It really is. It is going to be that, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, for good reason. I'll, I'll be really it honest. It is great. I've, I've had the soundtrack on, on Spotify and repeat for the of last, like, have. three yeah. weeks, because it's a good soundtrack. We have had such a great year so far for soundtracks. We have. I'm, I'm going to get to one of them later. Okay, excellent. Um, yeah, so good. So good. I uh, really enjoyed it. Edgar Wright, I think, has cinematically... Mm. It, it, come up with a solo project that has allowed him to cinematically grow up, in a sense. Yeah. And I think fair play to him. Really, really good job. But you know, little niggles I've heard from people have been about the story itself and just saying, oh, it's not really that original. It's not really... It's not really it, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't be. need to be. It's yeah. like... I'd it's, argue it, it's too it's, similar to Drive. That's, that's probably the biggest complaint I'd have. It's arguably too similar to Drive. Yeah, but they're both aping films from the 60s and 70s. Exactly. Like, that, again, that's, that's where you go it's, next, it's isn't like, it? It's like a bit of like a Western. As, Let's yeah, be honest, you, know you could mean? see Steve McQueen in this. Yeah. You could absolutely see these. And do you know what? That's that's not a, a criticism. That's that's a, a compliment. Yeah, this this film could have come out in the 60s with similar music. It, it actually really could. And do you know what? Would have been just as good then as well. Number two. Despicable Three. Despicable Three. Which it should have been called. It really should it's have. It's like the Jumanji sequel. It should be called Tumanji. It really should have. And Tulander. Why did Tulander. they change Zoolander 2's name to... Because you know, they, they knew it was a bad film. Well, they knew that. But uh, no, so uh, Despicable Me 3, which, you know, it's got its moments, but it's not a patch on the first one. It's not a patch on Minions. It's about as good as the second one, I'd argue. Uh, there's a lot of missed opportunity uh, to this film, particularly mm. as regards, for instance, the character of Drew, where you sit and think, well, all you've done is effectively you've given Drew hair and, and inverted the colour scheme, and mm. I'd rather have a distinct person rather than he is a sort of very thinly disguised parable of... <laughs> it's it's like, it's like Superman and Bizarro. The reason you'll never see a, you know, a big feature film Superman with Bizarro is because Bizarro isn't a character, he's just an inverse Superman. Yeah. You know, you want reverse flash, what you get is bizarro, and that's the problem. And uh, the minion stuff kind of undoes and retreads old ground. The kids and the wife element are kind of ignored, despite the fact that that's what made the very first movie so good, was it was all about the family dynamic. And ultimately, you come away and just think it just wasn't as much fun. I didn't like Trey Parker anywhere near as much as I'd hoped I would. I really liked him in the trailer, but I feel like an entire That's film- pretty much it. That, oh, is that, 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 that No, that's I mean, obviously, there's, there's, there's the big... He is basically a MacGuffin. Yeah. You know, for all intents and purposes, he's a MacGuffin. And it's an 80s MacGuffin. Yeah, I just... I, I feel like he deserves better. Number one. Spider-Man. Homecoming. Yes. <laughs> um, so, we've not spoken about the uh, soundtrack. We haven't, which, as you can hear from that little snippet of uh, Michael Giacchino. Giacchino, there they are. Michael Giacchino there. Let's see blasters on Twitter for getting his name. <laughs> Sorry, Mikey. Um, <laughs> you, you know you are, my boy. Uh, um, you, you know I yeah, love you, dog. Not just his, his score is amazing. Um, it was really good. And I love that take on... The original, the amazing yeah, Spider-Man it's, it's like his riff on Star Trek, isn't it? It is, it's, and it does work. It's, it's that, but um, no, the, the John Hughes-inspired uh, soundtrack list. 
It's good, isn't it? It's amazing. Like, I have had that in my car more than I have had uh, Baby Driver. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. That's not something I expected, but I, uh, I'm surprised. Well, like, not to sound like a massive... Uh, music D- snob. D-word music snob, but mm. I am. But I, I already knew all the... Baby drive songs. Uh, lived some, and I've, I've been you like, were listening to them before they were cool. That's fine. Uh, there's no way of sounding not like a music snob. But there was loads of songs You're on Spider Man. There were loads of songs on Spider Man that I'd forgotten that I looked like the song by the beat. And I was just like, yeah. the song is amazing. And yeah. It is so much fun, though, this film. It really is. I saw it a second time. Um, I went to yes, I've seen it twice now. Yeah. Um, and it, it holds up as well. That's the really weird part for me. There have been, I've noticed there's been a lot of complaining this last week about Aunt May, particularly. About yes. uh, why is it you know, Aunt May is purely relegated to this idea of, oh, look, she's hot. And actually, I would argue that's kind of the charm of the film. Yeah, there's a 52, uh, 52-year-old woman. Yeah, it just so yeah. happens that Marissa Tomei doesn't look 52. Hmm. I mean, let, let's be honest, if she did look 52 and the movie continued to make a, a gag out of the idea that she's hot and everyone's attracted to her, we'd all be patting it on the back and saying, how refreshing is it that, you know, in this day we're talking about how attractive 52-year-old woman is. That's amazing. For yeah. a film aimed at 12-year-old boys, that's really impressive. That's really something... So you know what you, you you can you can have it one way or the other you know that's it that, that's it you know you you either get advancement or you don't and I'll take the idea that Marissa Tomei is hot and Spider Man Homecoming is amazing and um, oh, by it the is. way anyone who throws isn't as the amazing Spider Man at me can do one I'm sorry who has ever said that the internet apparently that's the thing now yeah, the well, internet has decided retrospectively that the Amazing Spider Man two was good. Well, you know what, man? Some people on the internet say that Phantom Menace is the best Star Wars film, and also people like Coldplay, so you can't trust people, can you? <laughs> you really want to go for the full... People vote for the Nazi. Yeah, like I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> just you to, like, find a way just, to, just to paraphrase, uh, paraphrase uh, Supans for a second. Was it? You can't, you can't trust people. Yes, that was Supans, yeah. wasn't it? Thank you. Okay, <laughs> some news quickly, though. Go on. A quick bit of news. A quick bit of news. I like this. Let's stick with uh, Marvel for a little bit, then. Okay. And stick with the tiny little superheroes. The tiny little superheroes? Yes. Ant-Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Ant-Man was, um, is going to be starting shooting in a couple of weeks, I think. Yeah, I think that's an Atlanta yeah. job, isn't it? It is indeed. So we're getting uh, a cast uh, rounded out, and um, Randall Park is going to play in, uh, a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent called Jimmy Woo. Yes, I heard this. Um, yes. I really like Park. Randall Park. He's I do as well. I think yeah. I'm, I, this is the thing. I've discovered that when I've told people about this, most people don't know who he is. So Randall that's... Park or Jimmy Woo? Uh, Randall Park. No one really knows who Jimmy Woo is. <laughs> yeah, if you showed anyone a picture of Randall Park, I think they'd be like, "Oh, that guy." Oh, yeah. so he's the he's the boyfriend who dumps Amy Schumer at the beginning of Snatched. He's Kim Jong Un in the interview, and he's in most That's... of Veep. He, oh yeah, he's a senator, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, like but yeah, rival. he's gonna be a Shield Legend, and this, of course, raises one significant question, which is: Wait a minute. So the MCU is finally gonna have to address the fact that Shield exists but doesn't, because. Last time I checked, we weren't acknowledging that TV series. Well, he could be like a rogue shield agent. Uh, I don't know. Or one that's been sort of like undercover. He's been in a coma. He's been in a coma for like three years, and he's woken up and he's like... He's been in the quantum realm. He's been in the quantum... Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, he's been in the quantum realm. You can realm. use a quantum realm for anything. And he pops back out and he says, Hail Hydra. Use that um, to explain it. That is your eagles from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> of explaining it. Where has that been? Quantum realm. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just got, I don't know why, I just envisioned Nick Frost in, in character from Sure the Dead. Instead of saying, I'll do it on the night, it's like, quantum realm, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Doing that. I'm not a performing monkey. But yeah. yeah. But yeah, so I mean, they may they may address S.H.I.E.L.D., they may not. Um, I, I actually would be quite interested to see if they do bring S.H.I.E.L.D. back into it. Because let's answer that one niggling question that's been around for years, shall mm. we? When are they going to... Acknowledge that Agent Coulson's alive? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Yeah. Because you can't tell me that it does, it's not MCU, because Samuel L. Jackson's been in it. That's and, true. Yeah, and Sif was in it. Lady Sif was in it, too. So... You know. I like Lady Sif. Yeah. No, they, they've been in it. So it's MCU. It counts. And also, they come on. Where do you think Nick Fury got that helicarrier from in Ultron? How long is it going to be until we hear that uh, Sharon Stone is playing... I know. Yeah. I know. That'd She's be, got to be, be Janet pretty, Van Dyne. pretty great casting for Janet Van Dyne. They've got to do it. They've got yeah. to do it. It's got to be the case. I would like it if this movie was mo- about mothers and daughters. Yes, that'd be amazing. Uh, it, considering the first one was about fathers and daughters, I would very much like yeah. it if the sequel, because she's obviously going to be such a more prominent character, Hope, uh, Evangeline Lilly, that it's a mothers and daughters mothers tale, and, daughters. and Judy Greer gets a bigger part. Yes, Which absolutely. would be very nice, because obviously, you know, Judy Greer has a daughter with Scott. And yeah, Cassie, yeah. yeah well, it, would be, it would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. A nice shift of dynamic. She was she was really cool as well, that little girl. Like, she was. <laughs> yeah, she's like a child actress. It's so ugly. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of this is narrated by Michael Pena. And I said, yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to watch that film this week. That's so much fun. It really is. Yeah. I just want Michael Pena to just have a side gig where they just recruit him to, in character, provide commentaries for special editions of all <laughs> yes. these films. That'd be amazing. So then, like, Iron Man showed up, and, like, War Machine showed up, and they, like, fought, and I'm like, yeah. And he, <laughs> and he gets all these, like, copies of the film from his cousin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go for my cousin, Pedro. <laughs> anyway, um, so, uh, Cars 3, which is so much less funny than what we were just talking about. Um, right, okay, by default, incidentally, the best of the Cars movies. Well, that's good. Now, by default, I mean... Oh, low bar. You know, we've got I the, quite like the first one. The first one is Doc Hollywood for six-year-olds. The yeah, sec- that's the point. I don't think they're trying exactly. to... Yeah. The second one is... Uh, an espionage adventure that makes no sense. That's yeah, Austin the, Powers for six-year-olds. The second one is bad. Yeah, the second one's Austin Powers for six-year-olds. Yeah. Uh, this one is Rocky three and four for six-year-olds. And you're telling me that this film is not good? I, I didn't say it wasn't good. I'm seeing this on Friday. Right, okay. So basically, here's the plot, right? Here's the plot. You've you, got you've uh, reference two of my favourite films, so... <laughs> Which... Well, oh, okay, so both two... Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I say Rocky four. We all know Rocky four is better than three. Rocky Four is better than any Rocky. Exactly. It's better. better than all rocks. It's better than the rock. I must break you. <laughs> <laughs> you will lose. <laughs> if he dies, he dies. <laughs> uh, I love that movie so much. I could watch that every week. I'm Me not too. even kidding. <laughs> but uh, right, so um, well, the idea is what you got your boy, uh, I almost said, uh, was it Lightning? Lightning, Lightning McQueen. McQueen. Lightning McQueen. Sorry, you've you gone off mic. Uh, Lightning McQueen, who is doing his thing and he's tearing up the racetrack and he's, you know, king champ like he always was. And then one day, there's a new boy on the scene Storm Jackson. Great name. Yeah, played by Army Hammer. Greater name. Greater name, yeah. <laughs> and you can't help but think once your name is Army Hammer, you can't even get undone by... Yeah, the car should have just been called Army Hammer. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> right, and the idea is, Army Hammer's Storm Jackson is uh, this part is the first of a new generation of cars, where it's all hybridised engines and fuel efficiency and computational algorithms that allow you to hold firm to the tracks that you've always got optimal position. And the idea becomes analogue racing versus digital. So... In trying to keep up, Lightning McQueen winds up injuring himself. If you've seen the teaser marketing campaign with the graphic uh, look of him flipping through the yes. air. Right, that. That, that was is, the first trailer, wasn't it? That really yeah. was. That's basically the first ten minutes of this film. The idea is then, he goes away, he recovers. You literally see him covered in primer paint. 
so he's gonna have a new paint job. And uh, he teams up with uh, with his sponsor's new owner, who's played by Nathan Fillion. As a sleazy corporate type, who has that's who you get. That's who you yeah. get. Who has built up a new state-of-the-art training facility and is going to teach Lightning McQueen to race in the 21st century. But in order for him to learn all this, he's teamed up with a new female car who has her own racing ambitions that she is trying to not to indulge too much. We've got a clip. Good luck out there, champ. One reason Storm and the Next Gens are more efficient, their ability to hold the optimum racing line every single lap. Win number three for the rookie sensation. Storm's in a class of his own. And a big reason for that? Training on the newest cutting-edge simulators. These machines create a virtual racing experience so real, racers never even have to go outside. Storm's ability to hold that line is like nothing we've ever seen. Four in a row? Are you kidding me? 2% lower drag coefficient. Oh, what a finish. 5% increased downforce. Lucky number seven. 1.2% higher top speed. Amazing. Now, I I have friends with kids, and they, they all seem to love cars. Yeah, this is the big merchandise money spinner. Well, this is it. It's still their most profitable film, Pixar. Yeah. And, you know, it's not hard to see why, because the universe is so big. You know, you have the plane spin-offs, etc. So it makes sense. Um, I do think, as I say, by default, this is the best one of the uh, the Cars movies. By the way, that voice you were hearing in that clip, that was Carrie Washington. Yeah, I thought so. And that drove me mad in the actual film. You trying to, trying to figure it. out who it was. Is she the primary uh, love interest? No, no, she's not. Is Bonnie Hunt still in it? Bonnie Hunt is still in it. Uh, cool. Right, she is still Lightning McQueen's love interest. The uh, female counterpart that he works with is not it's, it's platonic platonic, platonic actually, yeah. um, we are talking about cars here we are talking about cars <laughs> yeah. however you know that niggling thing we've always had we've used the word niggling so much this week um, right you know that thing we've always had about cars which is if you stop to think about the logistics of how the universe works it all gets a bit creepy it really does this film does not help that at all are they car people hybrids well Whether one what does death or? mean to a car yeah, exactly. Right, this film genuinely brings up that question. If you've, if you've wondered that about this series, this is the film that's really going to hammer it home. Are what there, are engines them? constantly on? I don't know. It's, it brings about loads of questions, doesn't it? it? If they're constantly on, how does it work? Do, yeah. Are they fueled in the same way that we drink water? I don't know. It doesn't make... I wish they how would they explain it. Exactly. Who mines the oil? Are there oil drill? Are, are the oil drilling platforms actually sentient beings like the planes? I found it strange in the first one where tractors are cows. Well, yes, there's that. But for instance, there's so Romans. Like, different vehicles are different. Think about different it. species. Think, think about it, right? Okay. Uh, oh, we've, Sa- we've gone down. Sally, a, Sally, gone and, down a Sally and Lightning yeah. are clearly in a relationship. Yeah. How how do they show physical affection? I, I don't I don't understand this. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, oh. not, I'm not going to come up with some sort of, you know, exhaust pipe, <laughs> petrol tank. Say, no. Save up for podcast extras. When podcast extras. When it gets a little oh, blue. Okay, yeah, yeah. After dark, blue. after yeah. dark, yeah. Um, after the watershed. Right, so anyway, it is fun. Um, it is exactly the story you think it is. Basically, it's Rocky 3 and 4 fused together. Yeah, um, how is uh, Army the Hammer? Army the Hammer pretty much playing exactly the Army the Hammer role you yeah. think he will. That's he's, the need. Exactly, he's pretty much on smug form here. Uh, is Mater in it? 
a lot. Thankfully, they have minimised his time. Um, one <laughs> very good thing about it, other than you know Nathan Fillion's in it, and Nathan Fillion should be in everything ever, um, is uh, Paul Newman. They've they've gone back and yes, they've got a lot, of, and they've really bolstered that part. And it is all about there's an element of uh, yeah. Lightning having to discover his position as a mentor rather than as a contender, yes. and following in the footsteps of the Paul. And they actually give the Paul Newman character weirdly retrospectively a lot more story in the events of the films he was already in. Yeah. So it's it's strange how they've it done really, that. He really, like, owned that role. He really it? did, yeah, yeah. He really made it Newman's own. <laughs> you are, and I'm done. You I are the worst person. I can't top that. Right, you know what? You're the worst person. That's it. No more for you. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back. So, Mr. Allen, what you got for me in the news? I got some news about QT. About QT? Yeah. Quentin Tarantino. Oh, I thought you were going to say Kevonjane. Oh, no, wrong, wrong scene. <laughs> Kevonjane Tollis. <laughs> Kevonjane Tollis. Yeah. Um, the evil doppelganger of... <laughs> yeah, but we, we don't speak of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, he is uh, starting to line up his next film. This would be his ninth, wouldn't it? Uh, it would, because Hateful Eight was his eighth. No, cl- yeah. clever. It wasn't just Te- clever title, though. if you've seen Kill Bill as one I think, one yeah, I think, I think they are counting, because it was made as one film, wasn't it? Yes. So it was made as one film, so they count it as one film. Yeah. yeah. Even though it's part one and part two. Yeah. And yeah. Death Proof doesn't count as anything. So. Well, technically it might be fifth, but yeah. What, what are your feelings on Death Proof? It's all right. Uh, yeah. I preferred uh, Planet Terror. As do I. Yeah, as yeah. do I. Yeah. Go, yeah. Rose McGowan with Machine Gun Leg, man. That, that's, you can't beat that. That's how you sell a movie. You cannot beat that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, his next film is going to be about um, Charles Manson and the family and all the murders that lie wherein. Oh, nice. Yeah, which of course, is pretty good. We all saw Wolves at the Door a few months ago, because that was a massive hit. Yeah. And uh, well, everyone was just demand, but you need to see more. And, well, uh, I feel like Quentin uh, Quentin a film may get more of an audience member, <laughs> to be honest with you. Wolves says, at the Door is terrible. Exactly. And he says he's got a, uh, a fresh spin on it, a fresh take. And, um, okay. He's going to do it from Charlie's perspective. That'd be amazing, yeah. Okay. Through, through Charlie's eyes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. he's uh, been talking to Brad Pitt. Yep. Who obviously was in uh, Inglourious Bastards. Yep. Jennifer Lawrence, who was meant to be in something else. He was talking to her about Hateful, Hateful Eight. Eight. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. I'm presuming maybe she would have taken what was the... Uh, well, the only female. Yeah, the only female. Yeah. Well, the, the Jennifer Jason Lee. Yes. Role. Who yeah. I think is amazing in that. I think she's great in that. So yeah. it's great. And then uh, Margot Robbie as well, who is being touted as being a potential lead. And I think that'd be an amazing... Mark, so Margot Robbie, Sharon Taylor. Yeah. That's what we're going with. That's what we need. Yeah. That's, that's, that's quite clearly. Yeah, yeah but he's, he's still going with this like, alternative history... Right. All I want to know is, is he going to do the thing that Wolves at the Door didn't? And, uh, and uh, is he going to involve Roman Polanski in any way, on screen or off? Because Wolves at the yeah. Door didn't even acknowledge his existence. I hope so. Yeah, it'll get Christoph yeah. Waltz to play him as well. No, I'm sure. Yeah, Christoph yeah. Waltz has Roman Polanski. I can totally see that. When I think of Charles Manson, I just think of that like, side gag on Family Guy, when he's like watching all episodes of a show in prison. Yeah. It's like, if I hadn't seen it, it's new to me. <laughs> you know who I'd get to play Charles Man- to, to play Roman Polanski sorry, in a movie? Who? Giovanni Ribisi in full flight of the Phoenix mode. Oh, yes. Now that's casting. Yeah. I just imagine younger, that performance. Plasky, yeah, but he has to do the Flight of the Phoenix performance. Yeah. Oh, I could see that. You're wrong, Mr. Towns. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, let me talk about... Oh, hang on. Uh, before, before I get to review The Beguiled, the, the, the oh, yeah. did you know that Charlie Sheen, an infamous 9-11 truther, is starring in a movie coming out on September 8th called September 11th? I didn't know that. But, of, of course, that's what we live in now. Yeah. That's it. I'm assuming it's directed to DVD. 
But uh, I don't know. <laughs> if he's going to indulge one of his hobbies for the purposes of a film, why couldn't he just indulge his fanatical love of barbecue sauce? Yeah, because or, I at least share that with him. Or if we have Tiger Blood, the movie. Yeah, I totally go with that. Yeah, yeah. An- animated that. movie called Tiger Blood. That'd be pretty badass. That'd be really would, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, let's talk <laughs> about featuring the voices of Jackie Chan, Jet Li, Jet Li as the blood. <laughs> right. Okay. The beguiled. Let's yes. let's just get real now and talk beguiled. Okay. Yeah, so. I am so in on this film. Right. Deservedly so. I'm happy to say, deservedly so. I'm going to have to be quick because we've only got five minutes left. Well, less than. Anyway, um, right, so um, adaptation, uh, re- remake of the 1971, uh, I believe, Don Siegel movie, which starred Clint Eastwood, mm. itself an adaptation of a 60s novel, A Painted Devil. Um, the idea is you've got a wounded Union soldier, a Yankee, as it were, who is taken in by a relatively small, closed-off and secluded girls' school and nursed back to health. In in the school are two teachers. You've got the sort of headmistress played by uh, Nicole Kidman, uh, her subordinate teacher who's played by Kirsten Dunst, who's sort of impressionable, up and coming teacher. And there's five girl students. One of them is Angori Rice from The Nice Guys. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, um, Betty Brands. Betty yeah. Brand, yeah. You've also got Elle Fanning, who seems to be the oldest of the bunch, and uh, Una, Una Lawrence, who is, you might remember from Peach Dragon, wide-eyed young girl from yes. Peach Dragon, who is actually just increasingly impressive in these films now. Mm. I, I love that film as well. And the idea is that his presence, the soldier's presence in this school, um, brings with it an undercurrent of tension and scandal that will basically rock it all to its core and will forever change things, as it were. I don't want to get too much into spoiler territory, if you don't know the story but it is good and we have a clip of uh, Colin Farrell's wounded soldier working his charm on Miss Dunst well in all my travels I've never come across such a delicate beauty as yours tell me something will you Miss Morrow it's okay if you could have anything What's your biggest wish? If you could have anything in the world, what would it be? Anything. Yeah, anything. To be taken far away from me. So, Dunst Farrell, Sophia Coppola. She dunced good. She dunced good. So, uh, right, I think this is Sophia Coppola's best film since Lost in Translation, and I say that as someone who I don't like Lost in Translation, but I respect it as being a very, very well-made film. Okay, yeah, fair, fair, fair comment. Fair, give me fair, my dues there. Fair I, comment. I'm saying I don't personally like it, but I understand. <laughs> yes, it is a, it's an incredibly well-made yeah. film, and I understand why it, why it affects people in the way it does. That's fine. Coincidentally, that is what Bill Murray says to Scarlett Johansson <laughs> in, the, in the last minute. It was Kofifi. Anyway, <laughs> right. Or oh, Hail Hydra. Hail yeah. Hydra, of course. We, we, we yeah. see the same memes. This I know, is the problem. Yeah. We have no disparity of culture there. <laughs> right, okay. Um, great performances all round. Colin Farrell really knows the line to play with the sort of the charm element of this character, and it's a mm. really well-gauged performance. Um, Nicole Kidman was never going to be bad in this film. Let's be honest. There's never an issue there. Uh, Kirsten Dunst gets to do something kind of new for her, which is actually to go a little bit more naive, a bit more impressionable. A sort of character than we're used to her playing. We're used to her playing a bit more in the know than she is here. Uh, but the breakout star, Una Lawrence, genuinely fantastic. I, I need to. This girl needs to be the next big thing. She could be what Dakota Fanning was twenty years ago. 
20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. How long, How old was... do you think Dakota Fanning is? I don't know. The last time I saw her, about 35. I don't know. <laughs> 50 years ago. It's like Tobey Maguire. That's 35. Whole... 93. Isn't Elle Fanning her daughter? I don't know. It just seems like that long ago now that Elle could feasibly be her daughter. I don't actually know. I always just, I confuse them. And she was age, she was aging out in Push, and that was 1998. That was 2008, sorry. Oh, um, <laughs> right, so, um, but the real star is Sofia Coppola. And uh, old Miss Copes, she's, uh, she, she's brought it here. I mean, this is really one of them. It's got a really unsettling score by a French rock band named Phoenix. Fantastic cinematography. Uh, I, like, I like the way you said that. What? A French rock band? You might have heard of them. Phoenix? Phoenix was a big say you might have heard band. of them. I don't think it's, it's a way that you... French rock band named Phoenix. I'd, I've never heard of them before yes. this. Uh, Sophia Coppola is uh, married to their lead singer. Is she? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, that explains an awful lot. There we go. Uh, brilliant cinematography, wonderful setup, and I like the way that her script sort of segs in and out of different genres and really plays with the sensibilities of each genre accordingly, and it makes mm. you get comfortable with one element and then pulls the rug out from under that and gives you another. So, on the whole, it plays like a psychological horror movie. But if you actually on it's on a minute to minute basis, it goes everywhere from a straight drama to an erotic thriller to a, 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 you know a, a soldier of war movie, and it really really does the job all round on every all count. Over the shop. It's all over the shop, but in, in a, a good, good way. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a good shopping mall. It is. It's yeah. it, it plays with expectations and sensibilities in a very clever, very calculated way. If you were to liken it to an actual shop, what would it be? If I had to liken it to an actual shop, well, Laura Ashley. It's classy, classy, fair, classy nice. affair, man. Yeah. La- like Laura Ashley, it looks like a, like a really nice pair of Laura Ashley. So curtains. It's, it's better than Calf Kidson because Calf Kidson's a film, but oh, like, he thinks it's Ka- better than it. Calf Kidson, that's just that's too flashy, man. That's yeah, that's yeah. too flashy. That's it's a Sandra Bullock vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kath Kisten's a Sandra Bullock vehicle. Yeah, it's a Sam, a, uh, Sandy B trying to get a second, uh, second Oscar. That's totally that's what, what that is. is. Yeah. yeah, that's totally what that is. So yeah, definitely see the Beguiled. It is very, very good. Yes, can't wait. It is not our film of the week, though. I, Shocker. I, I have to. We have to give it to Wolf of Plant the Apes. It's too it's good. It's so good. It's too good. But yeah. if you're going and Wolf of Plant the Apes is sold out at the multiplex, which it very well could be, do go and see the Beguiled. Do check it out. It's, and also, Beguiled is ninety minutes. Oh, is it? Only 90 minutes. And it leaves you pleading for more. Like, genuinely just begging for more. Like, I could have sat through another half hour of this. That's good to know, because I'm seeing a few films on Friday. Well, there you go. It's a 90-minuter. You're saving some time. There you go. It's a 90-minuter, and every minute counts. It is very worth it. So, uh, we're giving uh, War of Planet X film of the week. We can agree on that, can't we? It's very good. Of course, yeah. yeah. I mean... By default, it's the only film I've seen, so I'm going to give it back. There but I loved it. Well, uh, so competitions, we're going to plug the competitions. Go on onscreenfilm.com, enter to win pop up screens tickets, to win uh, Blu rays of A Quiet Passion, and DVDs for Neruda, Hidden Figures, and The Age of Shadows. All very good films, all very worth seeing. Uh, we wouldn't willingly give them away if they were awful, put it that way. But that's a good point. This is a very yeah, good point. That's a good point. I, I, I couldn't knowingly put my name to it, but uh, okay. Yeah, um, so we will never be giving out Transformers the last night. I don't time. think we've never run a Transformers competition, I don't no. think. I don't think we ever have. Anyway, um, <laughs> so. <laughs> There's time. Michael, give, give us a shout. <laughs> we, did, we did run a competition for 2x2, uh, two two, the uh, Oops, <laughs> yes. Oops, Noah is Gone competition yeah. a couple of years ago. But anyway, uh, right. So, uh, podcast edition. Don't forget to check out the extended podcast edition on uh, iTunes, Deezer, TuneIn, whatever. Um, Acast, Digital Bling, all that good stuff. Uh, in the meanwhile, that's that's really up for us, for us this week. Next week's fun. We have some, we have some extended fun next week because we're off the week after. 
Yes. Well, so, just living a life. Yeah. So how about in the radio show, we'll review that week's films, that week's releases. And in the podcast extras, we'll review the week after. How about that? That sounds like a plan. That sounds like a plan. So, yeah. films that are actually out. We've got uh, Monster Island, which is an animated thing. We've got uh, City of Ghosts, which is a live-action thing. We've got Scribe, which is a French thing. Oh, is, is that French and the live-action thing? And the live-action thing. Oh, oh yeah. We, we know how to treat you right. Yeah, then we've got Captain Underpants, which is an animated, animated thing. thing. Computer animated thing. Nick Roll, is it? Yeah, is it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got Dunkirk, which is a Christopher Nolan thing. Which is a war thing. Which is a war thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's got Hans Zimmer playing the organ with his <laughs> It's going to be a hell of a time. There's going to be a bit where the organ goes... Oh, there's going to be some... Sounds Some warm. There's going to be lots of warm. We've also got... We'll do in the podcast, actually. The Big Sick, which I really, really enjoyed when I saw it a couple yeah, weeks I ago. I can't wait to see that. Spoiler alert, I really enjoyed that. Uh, Hounds of Love, which I haven't screened yet. That's not a Kate Bush, by the no, way, is it? Shame. Not. The Wall, which stars Aaron Taylor-Johnson... John Cena. John Cena. Yes. Yeah. And 47 Meters Down, which has Mandy Moore in a swimsuit for 90 minutes. What could possibly go wrong? Oh, wait, there's Shock. a shark. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we've got all those to come and more next week off screen. In the meanwhile, this has been a candy store production for on screen. I've been Van Connor. I have been Caesar. And we'll return. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Okay. So, Disney cannot find leads for the Aladdin live action. I know, I know. Yeah. Right, oh, apparently... This, this is a podcast section. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hello, podcast. good afternoon, good evening, good morning. <laughs> good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And that's it for podcast sections. <laughs> <laughs> we shall return. Here's a moment of catch. Um, uh, yeah, can't find anyone to be Aladdin or Jasmine. Right, here's what I don't get. Right, okay, no, no, no. They, but they have two choices for Jasmine. But, oh, yes, yeah, yes. They, they have, have two choices yeah, for Jasmine. They I have, take it back. I forget the Indian actress's name. There's an Indian actress, and the other one is Naomi Scott from Power Rangers. Yes. And they won't settle on either one until, until they've, they've got chemistry tested. Yes. yes. Which makes sense because you don't want to have like a Jasmine that you really love and then suddenly you put them with a Saladin and that's not... Well, why not? I mean, Beauty and the Beast, we had a Belle that we really loved and... How I'm, kidding, I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Dan Stevens. <laughs> I know. This century's Carrie Elwes. Anyway. He is. Absolutely. So... Here's what I don't get. Right, they want someone between 25 and 35 of Middle Eastern or Indian origin. I mean, I've offered. I mean, you've I've, been waiting by the phone. I've gone. You? I've gone shirtless for them. I've sent them pics, and all I got was a restraining order. Yeah. Have, have you got you a magic carpet as well? Well, no. I just showed up at their office shirtless and carrying a rug, and apparently that's not okay. And I was asked politely to leave. Yeah, those are those are like restraining order. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, it, that's not, that's it, not really it got unpleasant. Really yeah. And they will give me my monkey back. To be fair, that's how Jared Leto, like, gets all of his roles. <laughs> just, just turns up shirtless yeah. with a rug. Well, then again, <laughs> not saying anything negative about you, my friend, but Jared Leto showing I am no Jared Leto. Yeah, I accept that I am no Jared Leto, sir. Yeah. Um, apparently, they did go after names before thinking, hey, let's try and find some yeah, unknowns. I heard, I heard Dev Patel. Dev Patel. Obvious uh, choice. Really. Uh, Riz Ahmed. Yeah, the obvious choices. Yeah. Obviously. Both great actors both great actors although a little bit laziest choices well not a lot lazy lack of options i would say which yeah. is who of the middle eastern indian pakistani persuasion mm. have we got acting currently in mainstream films mm. oh wait we can fit them on a post-it note okay just go after them exactly oh, there's only two of them plus also if you can get an unknown and be that confident with them you don't have to pay them that much well, there's that, to uh, put it cynically, that. but you could also kind of sell it on that a little bit. A little bit like when Chris Hemsworth 
got four because he only. Well, yeah, I mean, he, you were seeing that movie for the character, character weren't you? More than yeah. anything else. But, exactly, so. and just like pad it out with movie stars. Oh yeah, that's totally what you're going to do. Oh, because you're going to apparently you are getting a name actor for Jafar. So it, my yeah, only thing they, is they were talking to Tom Hardy. I don't want it to be Tom. No, Hardy. I mean my thing is how annoying is it that Tim Curry is now the AG is? No, because how amazing would because I always thought it was Tim Curry that did the animated voice. No, I don't know. Well, I've, we've both seen uh, what's his name? Is it? Is we've it, seen that is documentary, it David, David Ogden Stiers? No, no, we've seen the documentary. Oh yeah, where we talked to the autism documentary. Life Element. Oh, yeah. so good. He's in it. The guy who does the voice. He's yeah, Jonathan he's... something. Oh, I thought it was David Ogden's. I thought it was the guy that plays the bad guy in uh, Hunchback as well. No, no, he's he's Jonathan something. Oh, okay. uh, because he's he's physically in it. We actually see him, <laughs> and he looks like nothing you'd expect. I like when I'm looking something up and I put a pen in my mouth and I feel like I work like a New York yeah, Times. Yeah, you you do look like an old school journalist with the glasses and the headphones and the. Yeah. <laughs> I got a hot scoop. Give <laughs> <laughs> me a big ticket. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be big. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm making this town. I all about is a bird. Was it mild mannered reporter for a major metropolitan newspaper? Uh, but yeah, it's, it's strange, isn't it? Because Lion King isn't coming out until 2019. Obviously, we need mm. to do all the posts. Yeah, yeah posts are going to take like a year and a half. But Aladdin's a lot. That's going to be live action as well. Yeah, so... and it, but he was supposed to be filming this month. Yes, and they've had, they've had to push it back a month. Which is still like... To which you're like, you're not, not finding this in a month. Because if you've not cast Jafar, you've not cast Aladdin, you've not decided on Jasmine... Unless and, unless we have got those names and we're just waiting for Aladdin. That's true. Nobody's even asked Anthony Hopkins or Alfred Molina if they want to be the Sultan yet. And um, Alfred Molina's got to be the Sultan. Of course he is. Come Alfred Molina's going to be the Sultan. We all know this. We don't know where Omid Jalili's going to turn up in it yet. Just and that's... In, in the market. Yeah, that's it. He's going to be the He will be the one trader. that like, wants to cut off Jasmine's hand. Yeah, yeah, he totally will. Yeah. Because yeah. that's obviously... That's who and, you get. Uh, and, and yeah, and no one's spoken to Edward Norton about being Jafar yet. So, you know, <laughs> that's how this he's, is a, going. he's a shade too white. Yeah, yeah, but Anthony Hopkins, uh, Antonio Banderas uh, is not the colour of an Arab, yet has played one <laughs> roughly six times he with has. the aid of bronzer. Yeah, and still with a really thick Hispanic accent. Yes. Yeah. Uh, John from Freeman. You John from Freeman, thank you. Again, Gilbert Gottfried was a Yargo. They haven't cast the Yargo. I mean, come on. For me, that is a Nick Kroll. No, no. I just want it to be. I want it to be him. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's it's DJ like Miller. It's like Mufasa. TJ Miller. Nick Kroll over TJ Miller. If, you, if you've got to have a new, I think I've just someone new. Go on, TJ Miller. Be amazing. Now I've TJ Miller for someone else. Save him for. Do you know who? He needs to be an old Jewish guy. It just needs to be an irascible old Jewish guy. That's why Gilbert Godfrey was great. That's he, a good point, yeah. He was about 40, but he still sounded like an irascible old Jewish guy, and that was the... I've seen the Nicole play an irascible old Jewish-ish guy. <laughs> and you he have, was amazing. You have, yeah, yeah, he was great. Oh, hello. Yes, yeah. exactly. Which um, is on Netflix now. Which is on Netflix, yeah. yeah. Have, have you seen? No, no, you I've not. To watch. Yeah. Um, I've not watched the Dion Cole thing, either. Oh, that's great. And Friends from College is now on Netflix, isn't it? Oh, is that, next, oh, is that next week? I think that's next week. Oh, it's the. I think it's the 14th, I think it's on. I believe so. It's this Friday. Um yeah, just TJ Miller and live action Disney castings. Mm. What is the name of the bird that's in The Little Mermaid? The bird that's in The Little Mermaid? The seagull. The seagull. I don't know. I think he'd be great for that. He would be very good for that. Yeah. Do you know who I've got down as Triton? Go on. Jeff Bridges. Ooh, that'd be good. Who else do you get? Oh, there was a nonsense story, right, put out yesterday by the Facebook page for RuPaul's Drag Race. Start your engines. Yeah. yeah. Which, without, without quoting a source... 
Mm. without telling us anything about his information. <laughs> was it Andrew Garfield? <laughs> Just claimed that Disney were doing a live-action Little Mermaid with Kathleen Turner as Ursula and Liam Neeson as Triton. Now, I looked that right. up because uh... I would love to see Kathleen Turner as Ursula. I think she'd be a fantastic Ursula. Mm. However, there is no evidence of that anywhere in the world. And I know this because I kept getting distracted and wound up reading five separate interviews with Kathleen Turner <laughs> because I just find the woman that fascinating. You just fell down a Kathleen Turner hole. Look, as a child, Kathleen Turner was my dream woman. I aspired to grow old to the point that I, I could date a woman like Kathleen Turner. Hey, I've seen um, mm. Romance of a Stone more, yes. more times than I should have. Look, I never got to see her in the stage the version of The Graduate, which I'm told she was terrific in. Did she do that? Yes, she did. Oh, my Dude, days. dude, dude, full frontal. Wow. You know, all I'm saying. But anyway. Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, this podcast took a very swift and perverted turn. It really did. It really did. Yeah. But, uh, okay. Well, I, I keep thinking, <laughs> let's do a review. And then we, I don't know she is Chandler's dad. Let <laughs> she me, is let Chandler's dad. Let me redeem myself. <laughs> in one of the interviews, she did say, I'm known to a younger generation now, evidently, as Chandler's dad. Yeah. Which, fair enough. Which is great. But I will always think of her in uh, Romance of Stone and War of the Roses. Roses. War of the Roses for me. So good. Why doesn't Dan DeVito direct more films? I don't know. He's so good, isn't he? Because that, Matilda is obviously incredible. Yeah. Oh, didn't he? Did he? He didn't direct other people's money, did he? It's one of my favourite Danny DeVito movies. I don't think he directed it. He directed Throw Mama from a Train. Ah, that was it. Which I I love. love, I love that too. I love that film so much. You lied to me. Bing! Yeah. And then oh. he directed. It was it was called Duplex in America, and then oh, something over here. Uh, I think it was actually called The House, wasn't it? Was it? I think but just weirdly, it was maybe, called yeah. The House. But yeah, it's Duplex a generic was, enough title. Isn't it? Yeah, it wasn't very good, either. No, but, but uh, he has made some great films. You know what's weird about Throwing Mama from the Train now? What is that? There's like a 25 year old Catherine Janeway in it. Yeah. Yeah, we all oh, tend man. to forget that. Yeah, it's red. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's red. Yeah, red and Captain Janeway. But uh, uh, yeah, that, that is a great film. Oh, I love that movie. If you don't, if you've never seen Throw Mama from the Train, first of all, shame on you. It's a brilliant movie. <laughs> yeah. Secondly, it is a comedic remake of Strangers on a Train by Alfred Hitchcock, with Danny DeVito and Billy Crystal, which is the greatest pitch for a movie ever. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, I forgot the name of. The actress that plays his mum, but she no, got, I can't remember. she got nominated for an Oscar. For Did that she? Because it's, it's a great she's performance. She's so good. Yeah. yeah. But War of the Roses. That's my that's my Kathleen Turner. That's a great one. Yeah. They were like such a great trio, weren't they? They were. The three of them together were fantastic. Yeah. I remember yeah. they're in the Billy Ocean music video as well. Really? For, yeah. For going get to but they're like pretending to be like the backing singers. And, oh. Yeah. I did not know this. Oh, uh, film news. Why do I keep that knowledge? I don't. I, I, don't to, know. I don't know how to change a tire. I don't know how to bleed a radiator. You don't know how to change a tire. I'm sure I could figure it out, but you know, yeah, Google, Google helps. Pretty straightforward changing a tire. I'd, I'd still panic and just like cry on the side of a road. Well, well, someone help me. I'll be honest. My, my current car and the one before it didn't have a spare tire because the boot space is non-existent. No. So. It's okay because your car is so fancy and now just changes its own tires. <laughs> my car it's, is not that fancy. It just grows a new tire. It's, <clears throat> Sentient. My, my car is definitely not sentient. Fancy. Master. The, the fanciest thing in my car is the the Apple system. Yes, but that, other than that, it's it's a ten year old, nearly nearly ten year old car, man. Mm. But uh, um, I, uh, as you know, I went to go see um, it comes at night. Oh, I do indeed. Well. Oh, this was the. I think you're going to do the film news. I was about I'm, to say. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm, I'm segueing of... beautifully. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Trey Edwards Schultz. Trey Edwards Schultz. Yes. Yeah, which I, 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 didn't, I didn't know his. Uh, what, what else did he write? Hmm? Uh, Krisha, it's on Netflix shortly. Uh, yeah. That was his, his breakout. Yeah, and then from that he got this. Well, he was a wasn't he a DP or a cinematographer on on other 
filmmakers. Is he his own cinematographer on It Comes at Night? Because it looks... I think he is. If you look him up, though, he has an extensive background working for other big directors. Ah, He's sort of spun off into his own thing now, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so he's done It Comes at Night. What is he looking to do next, Mr. Allen? He's looking at something even more terrifying. Which is? Kanye West. That is that is genuinely terrifying. Yeah, he wants to do a biopic about Kanye Yeezy. West. About Yeezy. Yeezy. Oh, man. Yeah, I'd love that. That'd be amazing. Look. I, I find him fascinating way that I used to find Prince fascinating. Look, if you can get Kevin Hart to agree to it. I'm not saying he's as good as Prince, obviously, but... You, know, you get Kevin Hart to oh, agree yeah, to fine. it, I'm in. Yeah. But, uh, you know, other than that, I don't think Kanye would willingly go along with it, though. Because, you know, he's a, air quote, genius. <laughs> I'm a genius. <laughs> what do we know about fish sticks? And he- They're <laughs> breaded. I'm a genius. genius. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think he would go along with it. Mm. And then change his mind. Oh, yeah. And then he'd be back on board. And then he'd want to direct himself. Then he want to direct himself. But then he would let, say, like, minds prevail. Let someone else direct it. But then he'd want to be the producer of a costumer. Oh, he would. Yeah. I seem to remember at one point he was going to be the costumier for uh, Robert <laughs> Rodriguez's live-action Jetsons movie. But uh, that never happened. Well, that was a thing a couple of years ago. That was going to happen. That would have been great. That was actually going to happen. We were going to get a live-action Jetsons movie with costumes made by Kanye West. Oh, man. Yeah. So, you yeah. know. There's some, like, alternate world that's better than this. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah. Well, I'm just trying to look through the news myself. Um, I mean, there's the... Uh, well, there's a lot of stuff about Valerian at the minute. That seems because that's getting pressure on at the moment in the US. Yeah, it's getting fairly decent reviews. Well, it's critic, it's critic proof and failure proof. So know. you know, is <laughs> the king of Europe, isn't he? Well, it really king is. of Europa. Of Europa Core, yes, exactly. But uh, trying to think, what else we've got? Yeah. So, uh, oh, Juan Cole Sarah. Yes, I was just about to say about this. Oh, he yeah? is uh, the front runner to direct uh, Suicide Squad Part Two. So that long-awaited sequel that we're sure is going to be amazing. I quite like him as a director. I like right? him as a director. He's ruthlessly efficient. I'm fine with yeah. that. Is, but, he, is uh, he going to put sharks in it? Because he was really good. I hope so. To yeah. Doing the shallows. Funnily enough, because 47 Meters Down is going to be discussed next week, um, the shallows has been on my mind a bit this week. Has it? So. We should just have a shark week and just watch loads of shark films. What, you mean like the uh, one that's got a sequel out at the end of this month? There's another Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, that was it. You know these DC animated universe movies we get now? Yeah. Um, first of all, funnily enough, weird story, the guy who does the voice of Batman in those is my friend's brother. Interesting. I didn't know that, despite the fact they have exactly the, they have the same surname and it's not exactly a what's, common one. What's his name? Uh, what, the actor is Jason O'Mara. Right. Who uh, you might know, he's the, he was the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for like a year. Uh, he was in Terranova. Right. Terranova yeah. and the American remake of Life on Mars. He's my friend SJ's brother. Anyway, um, so the latest one of these, it's been announced, these direct-to-DVD uh, animated DC movies, is going to be Gotham by Gaslight. Yeah. Do you know this story? It sounds like steampunk Batman. It is steampunk Batman. Do you know the is plot? Actually, no. It I is. Right. Yeah, Does Kenneth Banner show up in no, a no, no, giant no. spider? First of all, here's a picture. That is Gotham by Gaslight. Oh, my, I want that. I know. You're That's getting amazing. this as an animated film. And the plot is, get this, Batman yes. versus Jack the Ripper. Yeah, I'm down with that. Are you cool with that? I'm all in. Okay, good. I you, want the Matt Reeves film to be fair. Yeah, you're going to get that next year. Oh, Matt Reeves is doing a proper detective one. I'm looking He's doing a noir. I think that's going to have Hush in it. I would love that. I wouldn't be surprised. I think it will be mm. Hush. Oh, Baywatch is now, now a success story, by the way. Says you. 
Well, I, I already said it was a success story. <laughs> no, apparently, now that the uh, global box office is closing out, it's, it turns out it has made money overseas. So, okay. fair enough. That's fair. <laughs> it's you made re- money You, re- you realise I am not... I'm not the world. I'm not the face of the world's press. You don't have to like. You have to convince me. I, I do. I do. I have You're to looking at me like no, I don't uh, sleep at night unless I feel like I've convinced you, Mister Allen. I don't. I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's got enough money. He's making skyscrapers. He's making rampages. He's making Jumanjis. Right, he's doing fine. Can, can we go with the stupidest quote of the week, which comes from uh, Marvel head Kevin Feige? Feige, Feige, whatever you want oh, to say. Oh, not, not Amy Pascal? Not Amy Pascal what? for a change. She's taking <laughs> oh a week God. off. She's got money to count. It turns out if you want her to stop saying stupid things... Yeah, you need to save them yourself. Yeah, you give her some box office receipts and she sits there and counts money instead. Yeah. That, it turns out, is easier. Right, Kevin Feige has turned around and claimed Thor Ragnarok will, and I quote, drastically yes. change the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Why is that silly? Well, because they already put out a trailer that showed... showed uh, what do you call it? Uh, Asgard getting... Burnt to the ground. Yeah, it's a pretty drastic change. That's a pretty drastic change. If nothing else, isn't yeah. that bordering on genocide? I don't know. This seems like a bit of a non-story. I think it was yeah. just—it was something that he said. Like, not I need to say something. To be a story and like, maybe if, maybe he said it to just take some of the pressure away from being Pascal. Yeah. If if I just give them something. Yeah. Oh, uh, Thor's got end credits. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just shock it. Yeah. It, just, it just ties into. Into Avengers Infinity War. Uh, <laughs> tie, them in, tie them off with the note. Uh, Charlie's uh, Ferran. Or yeah. Charlie's Ferran. Yeah. I, I, think uh, it is, I think it's Ferran. Oh, I don't know. Uh, she says that the script for uh, Mad Max Furiosa is ready to go. Really? This is the, is this the prequel they wanted this to do? This is the prequel. I would watch that. I'd totally watch that. She's amazing. She's great, isn't she? Although, so she did an interview. I'm going to have to get ready to edit this one out, because if I quote her properly, we can't do it on radio. Uh, right. She's done an interview this last week, and I think... Part of this has to be because Ghost in the Shell came out this year. Someone asked her about Aeon Flux or Eon oh, Flux. Yeah. And she's been quite candid about it after all. It's been 12 years. And has she it has, really? yeah. And she has now proclaimed, yeah, we f that all up. And you think, you know what? You're absolutely right. You did show I appreciate your candor. Yeah, I appreciate that. Do you know, actually, she is the only person not confirmed to be returning for the next Fast and Furious movie. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because it, it sets it up as if she's going to be a part of a larger. Yeah. I'll world. get you next time, Spider-Man! Yeah, if it's the last thing I do. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely next that time, kind of thing. Gadget. Next time. Even if she's just there, like, through Skype or something. Like, <laughs> she's a hacker, isn't she? So. Well, hackers don't use Skype. <laughs> what hackers are you? She, Your version of Mr. Robot must be terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I I do the Donald Trump Jr. hacking, where I just give people my emails. Just give people yeah. your Like, you put on Twitter, here's my credit card info, good <laughs> yeah. luck. But, okay, yeah. um, Felicity Jones has uh, got an interesting uh, new project on the way. She's oh, doing... Oh, Jin. Jin yeah, Urso. Jin Urso. Or, uh, as I like to think of her... Uh, Jin herself. Inferno arm candy. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. I, I literally was made to watch about 40 minutes of Inferno at the weekend, and just, I hate that movie even more now. Yeah, I, I've still not seen it. Um, <sighs> I won't see it. There is a great line, though, in it, from Irfan Khan, in which he says, oh, yes, I mean. Not my finest work. But it'll do for the Italians. And you can't help but feel Ron that Howard adequately reviews the film on Ron Howard's part. Just a quick side note about Ron Howard. Yeah. Um, Woody Halston has been also promoting War for Planet of the Apes. Yeah. And he was on uh, Stephen Colbert the other day. Is this where he's accidentally said the title or something? Mm. I haven't heard it. What is it? Yeah. Um, well, there's an Instagram picture he put up. And yeah. he was wearing... You know, like some films, you make like t-shirts. For the yeah, like, like, like they do fleeces and they do jackets fleeces, and things. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, the emblem yeah. or the title of the film. And it says, Solo... 
a Star Wars story. Ooh. So that's potentially the title. You're really enjoying this reporter's shtick with the, oh, really? the pen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I need to put it down. It's, it's, a ban- it's a banking pen as well, isn't it? Which bank have you lifted this from? Uh, I didn't. My... Casino Online Mobile. I have no idea. I, I don't know what that is. It just it showed up on my desk. Yeah, okay. There we are. Uh, so the Felicity Jones thing. Uh, yes. You know the guy that's doing the remake of Suspiria at the minute? Lolo. Suspiria. Yeah, yeah. Suspiria. I, I don't know. It's a <laughs> long Italian name. Um, well, he is now going to be making Swan Lake. Cool. Without the ballet element. He's actually doing the straight story from Swan Lake. that was the one thing that was ruined in the ballet. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the most famous ballet in the world just ruined all that ballet. But, uh, it would have been great if there was no ballet. It's like that nutcracker. No nuts. What's a lie? A <laughs> 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 nutcracker. Get cracking. Nuts. <laughs> yeah. I came here to see nuts being cracked. <laughs> Taking a Michael now. <laughs> oh, um, did we talk about the Edward James Olmos uh, 9-11 movie? I don't think we did. We talked about the Charlie Sheen one. But, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. right. Ryan Guzman, who you might remember as being the uh, the nutter from The Boy Next Door, that awful J-Lo yeah. suburban daughter. Right. He is going to play the son of Edward James Olmos in a movie that's being directed by the son of Edward James Olmos. Yeah. yeah. Edward James Olmos, but not quite. Exactly. Yeah. Edward James Olmos <laughs> the second, or EJO2. But, uh, <laughs> EJO2. But... Uh, <laughs> And that's actually got to be a chemical formula, sure, if you see it. Really it's got there. to be, yeah. Um, it's going to be called uh, Windows on the World, and he's going to be about Edward James Olmos's character being in the Twin Towers during 9-11, and his son having to make the journey to find him. Huh. Making the journey from Mexico, sorry, to find him. So that's, I'll go that. Sounds pretty that good. Could be interesting. Yeah. Could be interesting. Um, John Williams mm-hmm. will not be uh, scoring Ready Player One. Will he not? He won't. He will, however, be scoring The Papers, which is... Senior Spielberg goes next. Every time you say it, I just I hear Sorry Married an Axe Murder. The papers. You hear what? <laughs> Sorry Married an Axe Murder. He says, oh, yeah. It's great how you refer to the weekly world news as the, the papers. papers. <laughs> <laughs> Woman. Um, Whoa, man. man. Whoa. Oh, I need to see that film. Josie and those heart yeah. pussy cats. Um, um, not doing Ready Player One, uh, mm. just because he's, he's busy, he's got a lot on his plate. And also, he's about 105. He is now, yeah. He's in his 80s, isn't he? He's in his 80s, yeah. he's getting up there. Uh, but uh, Alan Silvestri is taking over. Oh, and he's done, respectable choice. He's done a few, hasn't he? Yeah, done. belted out a couple of decent ones over the years, hasn't he? Back to the Future, Forrest Gump, and other films as well. And yeah. other Robert Zemeckis films. <laughs> um, have you heard about My Dinner with Herve? Yes. Peter yes. Dinklage is going to play... The Dinkles. The Dinkles is going to play um, the uh, the actor from... Uh, Herve. Herve. The actor from Fantasy, Fantasy Island. Island. Yeah. And uh, he's, it's basically about his night out with a journalist, and it will change their lives forever, is the quote. Uh, the journalist will be played by... Uh, who's his name? Christian Grey. What's his name? Uh, Jamie... Jamie Dorn. Dornface. Yeah. Uh, well, Andy Garcia has joined it to play Ricardo yes. Montalban. Which is amazing. That's good casting, isn't it? Great casting. Oh, man. I love Ricardo. I, I don't know why I should have this weird soft spot for Ricardo Montalban. Andy Garcia could be a good Jafar. Oh, yes. Excellent Jafar. Mm. Yes. Jafar, Jaclose. <laughs> That's terrible. We had a bunch of these yesterday. I saw, you are saw some the worst. You know that, don't you? I know. I really oh, know. no. Yeah. Have you heard about uh, old uh, Clinton? Clint, oh, Cl- Clinton Eastwood. Clinton Eastwood, what's he doing yes. now? Um, his next film, which is going to be called The 317 to Paris, okay. which is, surprise, surprise, a real-life uh, like war hero 
tragedy film. That's, that's, his, that's his bag. He now, seems to he? enjoy those, doesn't he? Yeah, uh, he's cast uh, real-life soldiers who were involved in the situation to play themselves. Oh, okay then. As, as one does. Yeah. And also, Judy Greer's going to be there. So it's just She's like that good. movie, Private Parts, when Howard Stern played himself. <laughs> yeah. Except not at all. Yeah, it's like a weird sort of heightened version of himself, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, That's an odd film. I meant more that it's not like that at all, but... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was the only example you could think of. That's the only example I could think of, someone playing themselves in a movie offhand, despite the fact that, you know, certain historical figures do it all the time. But, uh, uh, John Markovich. Yeah. That's the first one I think of when I think of someone playing himself in film. Of course you would think of that, because your mind automatically goes to like three acts and one of them is John Cusack. Markovich, 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 Markovich. Fine. What else you got for me? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm tempted for that just be my next piece of news. My next piece of news is Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich. <laughs> <laughs> I um, see uh, Jurassic, uh, Jurassic World. Jurassic World sequel's finished, hasn't it? Oh, is it finished? finished shooting? By the way, I can't remember. Is it Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom or Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom? Jurassic World. Jurassic World? Yeah. Oh, okay, fair enough. Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, I really hate it. I really hate that. Fair enough, okay. But it's, yeah, it's finished filming this week. Sounds like a Transformers film. Does a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. And there's no Jake Johnson, however, there is Jeff Goldblum, so swings and roundabouts. Yeah, swings and roundabouts, yeah. Yeah. On on Jeff Goldblum's uh, Instagram page, he just keeps, like, putting a picture of himself in London, standing next to statues, just, just being Goldblum. Great. I'm absolutely on board with that. I, I just want Jeff Goldblum You'd see him doing anything, wouldn't you? I want them now to reboot The Fly and uh, give us that Fly 3 that we've all been waiting for. And uh, I won't be surprised if they announce a new Fly at some point. Oh, they'll remake it at some point. Uh, now that we're getting a remake... A rem- oh, sorry, we're getting a rebootful, aren't we, for Flatliners, not a remake. So, rebootful, yeah, because mm. uh, Kiefer is going to be in it. Yeah, your boy. Jet Old Kiefer. And uh, James Norton, who I really like. Okay. I'm, I'm a big fan of James... <laughs> You were really taken aback by my like of James Norton. Yeah, just I just was taken aback. I was like, okay. Well, did you just find him to just be like just a non-presence? Or? No, I just I was like, I was just no one ever talked about. It's good. Watch Happy Valley. It's yeah, good, yeah, that. fair enough. No, I'll give you that. Yeah, but uh, I don't think he'll be Bond. A lot of people think happy. When do you watch Happy? The, the stuff you I've don't got, watch, but I've, you fit I've, in I've Happy got, Valley. I've got a life outside of you. Yeah, and yeah. it involves Happy Valley. That's what concerns me. You've clearly never seen it. It's really great. Well, I get that, but the stuff really that's good. amazing that I know you haven't seen. Yeah, but you've <laughs> seen the man Happy Valley. this week saw the death of Louis the Fourteenth and had a swell old time. I watched a French <laughs> watched a French Regency figure die slowly for nearly <laughs> yeah, two hours. You could be watching two episodes of Happy Valley and having a great time. Hey, don't get me wrong. What, what do you think Happy Valley is even about? Isn't it the the the, the hillsidey Welshy thing about cops or something in the hills or something? Uh, yeah, I mean it's in Yorkshire, so oh, it's in Yorkshire. Oh, okay, yeah, sorry. That's why I, like I knew there was a valley. Yeah, no, it it's, just looked Welsh to me. It's, it's, hills, like it's got Wales. so Yorkshire as an amazing like badass policewoman granny yeah and she like solves crimes and like busts up like drug rings and no one believes her uh, and I'm, she's amazing. I'm sorry, I've got a rule. What? Can't pretend from so No, no, no. I don't watch British series about uh, solving crimes. Why? Because I don't like seeing ex-soap stars, and that's all they do now. This is the rule. If you're starting a soap, you get there to go and solve There ain't soap star one in it. There isn't? No. Okay, yeah, but it's just it's just tiresome. That's all British TV is. Now, I know you could make the argument that American TV is no better with its love of procedurals. I feel like I'm about but, to. But, you know what? <laughs> just... Off with your Chicago Fire and your Chicago MD and your Chicago PD, Chicago your Justice, Chicago, Chicago Justice. Don't forget Chicago Justice because Dick Wolf's you know paying his mortgage with that now. Dick Wolf is such a good name. I know it really yeah. is. 
But, uh, oh, 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 I went to, um, Monday night, I went to uh, MK3D at a BFI, which is uh, Mark Kermode Live in 3D, is what it's two to that. And it's just like an, an evening of film discussion. He has guests up on the... I, yeah, the I did wonder what it was about. <clears throat> well, he had uh, the costumes of Lindy Hemming, the costume designer for Wonder Woman and Dunkirk. Oh, cool. And he had uh, George Mackay from, from Pride. Of course, he's great. Who I, I didn't realise, and because I've not seen this reported anywhere, you know that film Ophelia? He's Hamlet. Uh, so Daisy Ridley is Ophelia. He is Hamlet. That's cool. There you go. Uh, but the thing was, he was uh, doing. He was talking about movie posters, and he showed you the poster of a Silent Running, and how no, there were like no names on it, hmm. and one of the low level names that was ignored at the time was Stephen Bocho, who's you know Stephen Bochno, but they misspelled it as Bocho. Bocho. Yeah. So because you mentioned Dick Wolf, Stephen Bocho is arguably about as uh, successful for the same thing, really, isn't he? Um, George McKay was really good in Captain Fantastic. Did you ever see that? I never got to see Captain Fantastic. Oh, really, give it a watch. Uh, I did. I did see him in the hallway though, on some way back from Benjamin. I'm like Bromley. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's. he's a really I'd good imagine master. he gets that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard Mark Wood talk about him before. He must be a really big fan. Refers to him as gorgeous George McKay. Right. So. Yeah. Do you know who directed uh, Captain Fantastic? Uh, Matt Ross. Yeah. Who's, uh, what's his name from Silicon Valley? Uh, Peter Gregory. Peter Gregory? No, he's your one. Uh, Gavin Belson. Gavin Belson. Oh, man. I always get the two yeah. confused. But yeah, one of the... Friends, yeah. yeah. But the one who is still loved, because obviously one passed away. Yeah, yeah. Um, Garrett played uh, Peter Gregory. We've not talked about this, by the way. <laughs> Did you get to the end of the most recent series of Silicon Valley? No, I'm about three episodes behind. Oh, man. Too busy watching Happy Valley. <laughs> of course you are. You see, this is the problem with you. You know what I say about things you could be watching? now? you go. Watching your murder solving in the Yorkshire yeah, Dales. I like to watch my stories, thank you very much. <laughs> But didn't her daddy sell the coal mine? <laughs> yeah. No, I will. I will watch it. Um, sometimes I really have to like be in the mood for it, and then I watch like five episodes. I've ago. got sat waiting to watch. I've got an, a, a cable anthology series like, like The Outer Limits, but it's called Dimension Four Hundred Four. Uh, that I'm looking forward to. And you don't have time to watch Happy Valley. <laughs> Look, I'll. No, I don't care. No, no, I'm, I'm watching Dimension 404 first. Just watch Then I want to watch Handmaid's Tale, because I've not seen a single episode of that yet. That's fair. Watch that. Oh, my right. God. Right. Okay. Then we'll talk about it next week. I need some, I need some Lizzie in my life, you know. Oh, and she's amazing. <laughs> I'm told she is. I need to watch the trailer for The Square, actually. It came on yesterday, and I've not seen it. I've no idea what that is. The Square is a film um, by... Oh, what's his name? This guy that did that film about the avalanche, and... I am stalling because I can't think. No, no, I got no clue. What's his name? Anyway, it won the Palm Door at Cannes this year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you know every time For- someone says Palm Door, I uh, actually envision Force, Force Majeure. Force Majeure. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, every yeah. time someone says uh, Palm Door, I was actually envision a door in the shape of a palm tree. Yeah. So. Sadly, they don't have that. <clears throat> they did have an award called uh, the Palm Dog. You're for, kidding me. That was the year when the artist won it, and then they gave the Palm Dog to, to- the dog from the artist. Oh, who's who's dead now? I know. I know. Let's not think about dead celebrity dogs, because I'll, I'll start thinking about Moose from Frasier. I was going to say, we, we know that Eddie from Frasier is long dead now. I think there was like <laughs> there was a couple of Frasier dogs. Couple was of there? Yeah. I thought Moose there was the same one all the way. Mind you, it went on for 13 years, there, didn't it? There was, there was like a famous one called Moose. Yeah, I know. I always know I remember Moose. Yeah. Um, it's a great name for a dog. Well, of course it is, yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, don't, don't, don't get me misty out. My little girl's on holiday. So, oh, is she? Yeah, she's 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 away enjoying the beach. So you know, she's, she's fine. She's fine. 
But, uh, you know, parents stay with me. I can't have my dog around. But uh, You got any news? I'm all out. I ain't got any news. I'm all out. I can't even think. I know we're talking about Happy Valley for about 20 minutes. I know. But, uh, yeah, just just as long as we never get a movie adaptation I have to review, we'll be all right. This isn't news, but some new images of uh, Black Panther. Oh, yeah, we saw a couple of these earlier. So, obviously, we can't, like, transmit these... You can't transmit them verbally. Into you, yeah. Doesn't really work, does it? Into your head. But uh, they are great. Uh, If you have access to the internet, go on. Go go and check them out. Go on and have a look. Well, I'm just pulling up the news feeds. Forrest Whitaker's got weird dots on his face. It looks really cool. Yeah, but Forrest Whitaker always looks cool. Forrest Whitaker is cool. He is cool. But uh, (laughs) isn't isn't he more Jungle Whitaker in this one, though? (laughs) Yes, <laughs> yeah. More jungle than, than forest, really. Oh, we really need that. It's really like a desert Whitaker. <laughs> desert Whitaker. There we are. Yeah. Uma Thurman's going to make her Broadway debut. Ah, in what? In, hang on, The Parisian Woman by Bo Willimon. Ah. Okay. Not really I know terribly is. aware of that, but all right, fair enough. I don't know. What else we got here? Uh, 15 million people use Roku's. Really? I don't know a single person who has a Roku. I don't know what a Roku is. Oh, it's a set-top box, kind of like an Apple TV or a Fire Stick. Oh. But it's it's very, very easily hackable. But, uh, yeah. No, okay, I'm pretty much saying I'm, I'm going to... Oh, President Trump claims to have very little time for watching TV because he's too busy covering things up. Uh, let's see, what else? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't uh, watch TV. <laughs> because it's not very high quality. Mm. And <clears throat> the transparency... He's a high quality person. Yeah, the transparency is broken on my TV. Can I read you the greatest headline I've ever heard? Please. Woody Allen's jazz concert in Germany disrupted by topless feminists. <laughs> okay, I'll go with that. Right. Just, yeah. Why? Okay, first of all, why was Woody Allen... <laughs> Only a jazz concert. Mm. Why was it in Germany? Why did topless feminists care? Why were they topless even? Yeah. I don't know. It's a strange old world, isn't it? President Trump says son was open, transparent, and innocent. <laughs> My son, Donald, sing as you know, uh, did a good job. Oh, he knows the night. name of this kid. Yeah, okay. go, yeah. This kid, he knows the he name. He doesn't just okay. call it like, number four. <clears throat> it's not like Ivanka minus two. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Ivanka with a penis and yeah, 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 brown yeah. hair. Uh, man Ivanka. That's what <laughs> Man Ivanka. Uh, my son Donald. Brunette man Ivanka. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my son Donald did a good job last night. He was open, transparent, and innocent. This is the greatest uh, witch hunt in political history. Sad. So he's bringing up the classics. Oh. Bringing them back. Oh, you you, playing you, all you the need hits. to play them greatest hits, don't you? <laughs> did you know HBO were doing apparently this really comprehensive documentary about Spielberg? No. Apparently, they've now gotten confirmation that J.J. Abrams, Martin Scorsese, and more directors will be contributing to it. Apparently, it's going to be the definitive look at wow. Scorsese and his career. I'm intrigued. Of Scorsese? Uh, of Spielberg, Spielberg, sorry, Spielberg, and, his, yeah. and his career. Sorry, I'm... I'm but, yeah. but Marty is going to be taking part. Marty will be taking part, and... Uh, like we're best friends. And, Marty. you know, his sort of adopted nephew, J.J., yeah, but that that is a weird thing because I never knew that J.J. Abrams evidently grew up around Steven Spielberg. Yeah, like family friends. Yeah, when he was a teenager, um, Kathy Kennedy contacted him and uh, got them to like restore some films, and then got, oh. got him to make like little Super Eight films and whatnot. I don't think anything ever came of them. But huh. That was like one well, of no, the, no. I that, mean, something did come of it. <laughs> 
<laughs> eventually. <laughs> but... The Force Awakens. <laughs> the Mission Impossible series reboot. The Star Trek reboot. <laughs> the entire run of Alias. Lost. Oh, just and go... more importantly, Felicity. Just go watch Happy Valley already. <laughs> How dare you, sir, talk about Happy Valley in the same sentence as Felicity. <laughs> Has Kerry Russell not been through Russell. enough? Have you watched Americans yet? Uh, no, I watched the pilot years ago. I should and, really watch uh, And then I, I got distracted and uh, never, yeah. got, uh, never got to finish it. She's great. By the way, here's the weirdest, weirdest news. <laughs> and it's, it's been a big week. <laughs> it's been a big week. Right, you know Luke Cage is coming back to Netflix. Yeah, they've got uh, new people. They've got new people. Um, have you heard who's directing the first episode of that? It, um, it's bonkers. It really is. Let me go out of the box. I'm not going to say, come on, Jenny Wallace. I'm going to say... make about as much sense. Holly Hunter. Lucy Lou. Right. Close. Yeah. Female. Yeah. She's woman shaped as well, yes. Oh, that's kinda of cool. <laughs> yeah, Lucy Lou, for some unknown reason, is gonna direct the season premiere of uh yeah. Has she directed before? I have no idea. I wonder if she's directing any episodes of uh um elementary. It's do you know it's entirely possible? Let's have a look. Yeah, it is entirely possible. Oh that was the one. Akiva Goldsman. You know Akiva Goldsman has a production company now? Yeah. Weed Road. Which I think tells you what he does with his free time. Yeah, when he's not in a writer's room. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know he was in that writer's room for Paramount with the Transformers series. Mm. Well, he's now signed a two-year first-look deal for, on behalf of his company, with Paramount. They're going to do... Uh, they're going to produce the Rainbow Six movie adaptation. You know, Tom Clancy's yeah. Rainbow Six. They're also going to do... Uh, Tom Hardy's meant to be... I think so. Yeah. No, 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 that was Splinter Cell, wasn't it? Cell, Splinter like... Cell. Um, he's also going to produce something called the Ologies, or Ologies. And, of course... Avengeline, which is the comic book oh. supernatural slash em up thing. But uh, yeah, he's going to be doing that. I see. So, meh, interesting enough. But uh, I'll never forget that this man did write Batman and Robin. So, yeah. You know. And uh, New York Winter's Tale as well. He directed that. Oh, God, yes, well. he did. Oh, man, that movie sucked. We gave yeah. stuff away for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember cinema. Because we're working out of time, they mm. got uh, fingerless gloves. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Why we would you need that? We gave stuff away for that. Um, got the stuff we have given things away for. Oh, it's kind of great, really. I remember we gave stuff away for the pyramid, and hardly anyone entered that one. But uh, really, yeah, it's kind of weird, actually. You know the really strange thing. You know, Entertainment One. You know how they don't like us seeing their films. They're quite happy to give us stuff to give away for the film, though. That's the really weird thing. Mm. I, I guarantee you now, I could phone Entertainment One right now. Let's not plug in the phone and actually do this, but um, I could phone Entertainment One right now and say, hi, can I see 47 metres down uh, next Tuesday? I think pressure's next Tuesday. Yeah. And can I see 47? And they'll say no. If I then called someone else in the same office and said, can I give stuff away for 47 metres? They would say, yes, please, here's 15 sets. And they would happily... It's the weirdest contradiction. I've never known anything like mm. it. No. It was a bit of a strange one. But, I mean, I remember they didn't let me see Midnight Special. I had to, I had to make my own way to that one. Um, that was a good film. But they gave us stuff to go away for, if you remember. And it was good stuff, too. Was that, like, the goggles? Yeah, that that they yeah. gave us... Really, they, actually, that's the weird thing. E1, really cool price sets as well. Hmm. But, good for them. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, they'd rather give stuff away than let you see their films. That's a really telling thing, isn't it? I'm not saying that most of their films suck, but, you know, half of them do. But... <laughs> I could say more on that, but I won't. I'm tactful. <laughs> and that's all i got to say on that. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. But, uh, so have you got anything else? Have you got any more news? Um, no, I thought I had some news about Woody Howson learning about why Lord and Miller 
were out of uh, Star Wars. But it's just, it's really just, it's, it's like non-news. Kind of is, it, it, it just says like, the producer told me. Yeah. That's it. We've shot one day with uh, Ron. That's it. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's not really much you can say beyond, uh, it just, it seems like they really didn't get on. And that seems to be the actual reason, which I'm fine with. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, maybe we'll go do Flash. I think it's a possibility. Possibility? I don't I know. I think we'll probably go do something original. I think that as well. I think and they'll go people will be like, ah, oh, they're great. I think they'll want something where they have complete creative control over, and I think something Just like original. a palette cleanse, if anything yeah. else. Because yeah. they're spending a lot, enough time in the system now. Yeah. So. They're trying to work for like, the biggest studio in the world. Oh, well, should we draw it to a close, then? I think we better had before we ramble about BBC crime shows. Rambling? What would that possibly like? <laughs> On which note, here it is, your moment of cage. Oh! Nervous. Very, very dreadfully nervous I had been in M. But why will you say that I am mad? The disease had sharpened my senses, not destroyed, not dulled them. Above all else was the sense of hearing acute. I heard all things in the heaven and in the earth. I heard many things in hell. How then am I mad? Hearken and observe how healthily, how calmly I can tell you the whole story. It is impossible to say how first the idea entered my brain, but once conceived, it haunted me day and night. Object, there was none. Passion, there was none. I loved the old man. He had never wronged me. He had never given me insult. For his gold, I had no desire. I think it was his eye. Yes, it was this. He had the eye of a vulture, a pale blue eye with a film over it. And whenever it fell upon me, my blood ran cold. And so by degrees, very gradually, I made up my mind to take the life of the old man and thus rid myself of the eye forever. Now this is the point. You fancy me mad. Mad men know nothing. But you should have seen me. You should have seen how wisely I proceeded, with what caution, with what foresight, with what dissimulation I went to work. I was never kinder to the old man than during the whole week before I killed him. And every night about midnight, I turned the latch of his door and opened it oh so gently. And then when I had made an opening sufficient for my head, I put in a dark lantern, all closed, closed, that no light shone out. And then I thrust in my head. Oh, you would have laughed to see how cunningly I thrust it in. I moved it slowly, very, very slowly, so that I might not disturb the old man's sleep. It took me an hour to place my whole head within the opening so far that I could see him as he lay upon his bed. Ha! Would a madman have been so wise as this? And then when my head was well in the room, I undid the lantern cautiously, oh so cautiously, cautiously for the hinges creaked. I undid it just so much that a single thin ray fell. Upon the vulture eye, and this I did for seven long nights, every night just at midnight. But I found the eye always closed, and, and so it was impossible to do the work. For it was not the old man who vexed me, but his evil eye. And every morning when the day broke, I went boldly into the chamber and spoke courageously to him, calling him by name in a hearty tone and inquiring how he has passed the night. So you see, he would have been a very profound old man indeed to suspect that every night just at twelve I looked in upon him while he slept. Upon the eighth night, I was more than usually cautious in opening the door. A watch's minute hand moves more quickly than did mine. Never before that night had I felt the extent of my own powers, of my sagacity. I could scarcely contain my feelings of triumph to think that there I was, opening the door little by little, and he not even to dream of my secret deeds or thoughts. I fairly chuckled at the idea, and perhaps he heard me, for he moved on the bed suddenly as if startled. Now you may think that I drew back, but no. 
His room was as black as pitch with the thick darkness, for the shutters were closed, fastened through fear of robbers. And so I knew that he could not see the opening of the door, and I kept pushing it on steadily, steadily. I had my head in and was about to open the lantern when my thumb slipped upon the tin fastening, and the old man sprang up in bed crying out, Who's there? I kept quite still and said nothing. For a whole hour I did not move a muscle, and in the meantime I did not hear him lie down. He was still sitting up in the bed listening, just as I have done, night after night hearkening to the death watches in the wall. Presently, I heard a slight groan, and I knew it was the groan of mortal terror. It was not a groan of pain or of grief. Oh, no. It was the low, stifled sound that arises from the bottom of the soul when overcharged with awe. I knew the sound well. Many a night, just at midnight, when all the world slept, it has welled up from my own bosom, deepening with its dreadful echo the terrors that distracted me. I say I knew it well. I knew what the old man felt and pitied him. Although I chuckled at heart, I knew that he had been lying awake ever since the first slight noise when he had turned in his bed. His fears had been ever since growing upon him. He had been trying to fancy them causeless, but could not. He had been saying to himself, it is nothing but the wind in the chimney. It is only a mouse crossing the floor, or it is merely a cricket which has made a single chirp. Yes, he had been trying to comfort himself with these suppositions, but he had found all in vain, all in vain because death in approaching him, had stalked with his black shadow before him and enveloped the victim. And it was the mournful influence of the unperceived shadow that caused him to feel, although he never saw nor heard, to feel the presence of my head within the room. When I had waited a long time, very patiently, without hearing him lie down, I resolved to open a little, a very, very little crevice in the lantern. So I opened it. You cannot imagine how stealthily, stealthily, until at length in a simple dim ray like the thread of the spider shot from out of the crevice and fell full upon the vulture eye. It was open, wide, wide open. And I grew furious as I gazed upon it. I saw it with perfect distinctness, all a dull blue with a hideous veil over it that chilled the very marrow in my bones. But I could see nothing else of the old man's face or person. For I had directed the ray as if by instinct precisely upon the damned spot. And have I not told you that what you mistake for madness is but over-acuteness of the sense? Now I say there came to my ears a low, dull, quick sound, such as a watch makes when enveloped in cotton. I knew that sound well, too. It was the beating of the old man's heart. and increased my fury, as the beating of a drum stimulates the soldier into courage. But even yet I refrained and kept still. I scarcely breathed. I held the lantern motionless. I tried how steadily I could maintain the ray upon the eye. Meantime, the hellish tattoo of the heart increased. It grew quicker and quicker and louder and louder every instant. The old man's terror must have been extreme. It grew louder, I say, louder every moment. Do you mark me? Well, I have told you that I am nervous. So I am. And now, at the dead hour of the night, amid the dreadful silence of that old house, so strange a noise as this excited me to uncontrollable terror. Yet for some minutes longer, I refrained and stood still. But the beating grew louder, louder. I thought, the heart must burst. And now a new anxiety seized me. The sound would be heard by a neighbor. The old man's hour had come. With a loud yell, I threw open the lantern and leaped into the room. He shrieked once, once only. In an instant, I dragged him to the floor and pulled the heavy bed over him. I then smiled gaily to find the deed so far done. But for many minutes, the heart beat on with a muffled sound. This, however, did not vex me. It would not be heard through the wall. At length, it ceased. The old man was dead. I removed the bed and examined the corpse. Yes, he was stone, stone dead. I placed my hand upon the heart and held it there many minutes. 
There was no pulsation. He was stone dead. His eye would trouble me no more. If still you think me mad, you will think so no longer when I describe the wise precautions I took for the concealment of the body. The night waned, and I worked hastily, but in silence. First of all, I dismembered the corpse. I cut off the head and the arms and the legs. I then took up three planks from the flooring of the chamber and deposited all between the scantlings. I then replaced the boards so cleverly, so cunningly, that no human eye, not even his, could have detected anything wrong. There was nothing to wash out, no stain of any kind, no blood spot, whatever. I had been too wary for that. A tub had caught all. <laughs> when I had made an end of these labors, it was four o'clock, still dark as midnight. As the bell sounded the hour, there came a knocking at the street door. I went down to open it with a light heart, for what had I now to fear? There entered three men who introduced themselves with perfect suavity as officers of the police. A shriek had been heard by a neighbor during the night. Suspicion of foul play had been aroused. Information had been lodged at the police office, and they, the officers, had deputed to search the premises. I smiled, for what had I to fear? I bade the gentleman welcome. The shriek, I said, was my own in a dream. The old man, I mentioned, was absent in the country. I took my visitors all over the house. I bade them search, search well. I led them at length to his chamber. I showed them his treasures, secure, undisturbed in the enthusiasm of my confidence. I brought chairs into the room and desired them here to rest from their fatigues, while I myself, in the wild audacity of my perfect triumph, placed my own seat upon the very spot beneath which reposed the corpse of the victim. The officers were satisfied. My manner had convinced them. I was singularly at ease. They sat, and while I answered cheerily, they chatted of familiar things, but ere long I felt myself getting pale and wished them gone. My head ached, and I, I fancied a ringing in my ears, but still they sat and still chatted. The ringing became more distinct. It, it continued and, and became more and more distinct, and I talked more freely to get rid of the feeling, but it continued and gained definiteness until at length I found that the noise was not within my ears. No doubt I now grew very pale, but I talked more fluently and, and with a heightened voice, yet the sound increased, and what could I do? It was a low, dull, quick sound, a, much such a sound as a watch makes when enveloped in cotton, and I gasped for breath, and, and yet the officers heard it not. I talked more quickly, more vehemently, but the noise steadily increased. I arose and argued about trifles in a high key and with violent gesticulations, but the, the noise steadily increased. Why would they not be gone? I paced the floor to and fro with heavy strides as if excited to fury, but, but the noise steadily increased, and oh God, what could I do? I, I foamed, I raved, I swore, I swung the chair upon which I had been sitting, and grated it upon the boards, but the noise arose over all and continually increased. It grew louder, 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 and still the men chatted pleasantly and smiled. Was it, was it possible they heard not? Almighty oh, God, no, no, they heard, they suspected, they knew. They were making a mockery of my horror. This I thought and this I think. But anything was better than this agony. Anything was more tolerable than this derision. I could bear those hypocritical smiles no longer. I felt that I must scream or die. And now again, hark. Louder, 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 louder. Villains, I shrieked. Dissemble no more. I admit the deed. Tear up the planks. Here, here. It is the beating of this hideous heart. <laughs> 